Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. It is middle of February. We've got the full crew here today, and we're in the middle of a, a lot of releases coming out all in a row. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitali. Joining me, I've got Josh Torres. Wild Hearts and Wild Dancers. We've got Adam Vitali. Hello. James Galizio. Hey, Fultz. And Chow Minwoo. How's it going? So as I speak into the microphone now, there's has been several releases in the last seven days. This is kind of what we were expecting as we looked into the calendar ever since late last year. We kind of knew February was where everything started coming in all at once. Not a lot on the news front this week. Obviously, when you're coming off a week with a Nintendo Direct dump, the week after always feels a little bit light. But we are starting to see a few releases pepper in their release dates into March and April. So we'll go into a little bit about that. The main two games of discussion here for this week's episode of the podcast are going to be two new releases. We're going to be starting out with a discussion of Wild Hearts. This is the monster hunting-like game from Electronic Arts and Koei Tecmo. And then going into the release, the first Western official release of Like a Dragon Ishin. So we've had people on staff and in this podcast here that have had access to both of these games. So we're going to go ahead and have a hopefully a pretty meaty discussion on what our impressions are of these games. We'll go into a few reviews and smaller discussions of other things that have gone up this week. And then we'll we'll wrap up with a new section and with a few announcements and a few release dates, as we always do. So when we were deciding between the two games, Wild Hearts and Like a Dragon is Shin, to talk about, we could easily talk about these in either, in either order, but we're going to talk about Wild Hearts first. It's a new IP. I think there's a lot of interest behind it. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you probably already have some indication of how the game's been received based on its release on on Steam and on the consoles. But James has put up a review for the game up on our site, and I've also been playing it with a little bit of early access as well. So we're going to be starting out there. So obviously, I'll call out the review of Wild Hearts up on RPGsite.net, but we obviously have the review author here. So I'm going to hand off the discussion over to James to start out with Wild Hearts, who obviously, James is our big, our Monster Hunter expert, the most... The most expertise here to go talk about what Wild Hearts brings to the table and also to talk about its shortcomings. So without further ado, I'll just hand it off to, to James to kind of lead the discussion on the release of this game. This game should not have released this week. Quite frankly, it should have been delayed by at least like a month or two, probably a little bit more because, well, the result is kind of obvious if you've been paying attention to the Steam reviews. The PC version and even the console versions, from what I can tell, I'm seeing a ton of people complain about how it looks on on Xbox Series S and how it runs and looks on even PlayStation 5 and Series X. But the PC version is like I can understand it being like a tough to run game just because it's current gen only. So like CPU is going to matter a lot more and it does a lot of things with simulations and like keeping track of every, like Hurricanes that players have placed in every uh, area, like in the same map and stuff like that. But uh, it's just a mess, especially considering that I still can't play it on my desktop. And the entirety of the review period, I was forced to do it on my laptop because. Is there an AMD? Well, well, I'll just, like, so yeah, to, back, to back it up, like, you know, so people who don't know, like, this is the, as Brian mentioned, this is the Monster Hunter like a game from, you know, co- partnership between Koei Tecmo and EA. I forgot if they mentioned a specific studio under Koei Tecmo who was uh, heading this. Omega Force. Omega Force, okay. And then when you say, like, Karakuri, like, you know, when 
and like the marketing for this game, like the big thing about it that distinguishes it from Monster Hunter, besides, you know, like it has that formula of like, hey, you go make a character and you go hunt big beasts, you can do it with up to three players. But the main like gameplay thing that distinguishes it from Monster Hunter is you can actually like build like these mechanical devices that they, you know, refer to as the Karakuri. And like, so like at these, like, you know, throughout the marketing, they could have like been, like, done anything. Like you made walls for monsters to like crash into. You made buildings to, like jump off of. You made like contraptions, like some like are like kind of like turrets. Like so, like the main thing that you're like referring to here, like when you say the like, Karakuri, like when, like I mean, as you're like you're building these structures, like performance, like even that through there, but like the struggle of it, just like kind of a big deal because that's kind of the big distinguishing gameplay thing of this game. And if like if the the general performance and that and that certain gameplay component is not coming together smoothly. It's already not a great experience because, you know, as people who have played Monster Hunter know, like, having stable performance in those games is kind of key to uh, making it enjoyable. Well, if you haven't listened to this podcast as we've covered the marketing cycle, the news cycle of this game, I remember Adam, I forget in what context he said this, but we the joke is like, oh, they took this from Fortnite. But actually, the uh, inspiration, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, was Dragon Quest Builders. So, but it- well, actually, we didn't mention that in the last podcast because I... Uh... Technically, that was something that they just mentioned in like a review briefing thing. Ah, okay. So, so, but yeah, technically, the developers, their inspirations were obviously like Monster Hunter for one, but they also said that the other half of the inspiration came from Dragon Quest Builders. Now, whether or not you believe that over like Fortnite is your prerogative, but I can see what they mean by that. So, so obviously, the technical performance is kind of like the big discussion point in the moment but let's back up a little bit and just kind of talk about the game as it as it is just in general so i know james has played a lot of monster hunter likes i've played a few i've played tokaiden and i've played soul sacrifice so when i first started off this game first of all i just want to say that the i want to talk about the positives first before we go into like the things where we talk about why this game hasn't probably released too early so this game involves a nameless hunter you 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 are you have a little bit of a tutorial. It's actually quite a long tutorial because you have to you have to fight like a few monsters before you get access to the main city. I think you have to hunt three monsters like kind of in a sequence before you get access to Minato, which is the like the hub of the game, the Celiana of the game. And you're you're basically a nameless hunter, and you're you're in like a new environment where there is these rampaging beasts around that seemingly have been displaced from where they originally came from. I know that James has mentioned that there's a lot of like Do you play monster hunting games for the story? Probably not. But there's a lot of general themes that are very similar to the the story of Monster Hunter World, if you remember that at all. I will say that the monster design in this game is quite unique and different. You start out with like a plague infested rat with like vegetables growing out of its face or like a flower bloom growing out of its face. And then I forget what the second monster is, but then the big one that you fight is kind of like one of the ones that they showed off in the marketing. It's the one that you fight right before accessing the main city is the King Tusk, which is like a giant earthen boar that like grows tusks out of wood. I think it's the implication out of its face and it like corrupts the world around it. And all the monsters in this game, like as they go into their enraged state, they interact with their environment in really neat ways. And you, in very in every monster hunting like game, you pick a weapon type. Each of the weapon types have different sorts of like combos and ways that you interact with the the combat system with them. I've been pretty much exclusively using the bladed wagasa, which is like a bladed umbrella, which allows you to get like a lot of elevation really quickly. James, what 
I think we talked about this a little bit in a preview sense before, but what weapon have you been using in Wild Hearts? Been kind of hopping between a bunch of them because I wanted to get a feel for the uh, variety in the movesets. I've kind of been really enjoying the Katakuri staff once I unlocked it. Just has, I guess it's like, it's not a one-to-one by any means, but it's kind of a similar idea to Monster Hunter's Charge Blade, where it's like you build up for like, for these massive attacks through like a combo string. Mm-hmm. Not quite though, because it's like it's just when you do a regular attack, there will be a flash of orange, and then if you press the right trigger when that happens, you can morph your your staff into a different form. And if that attack lands, then you get at least like one blip for your gauge. And there's like if and there's some other like uh, specific circumstances where you can get to. And then if you like the more that you uh, like gather energy in that gauge, the more damage your like ultimate move does, which is if you do right trigger plus uh, either triangle or I guess uh, Y. It just it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like you wait, build up the gauge and like you wait for an opening and just like spend it all in like one burst to deal a lot of damage. And it's pretty fun. That's it's pretty funny that you guys mentioned both those weapon categories because like before I ultimately decided to wait on this game, I was looking at the weapon categories and like those are the two weapons that like I wanted to try out from the weapon list was the the umbrella, a blade, and the and the staff. I think the, those like from the weapon descriptions. One thing I don't want to get things. Yeah, I don't want to get too in the nitty gritty, but one thing that I do like about the way the weapon system works in this game, and I think in a monster hunting game, talking about the weapon system pretty early in the discussion is pretty appropriate because that basically changes your playstyle. To go a tiny bit into detail, the Wagasa, very briefly, it's a very simple weapon. I think it's probably a good beginner weapon, and I'm saying that immediately having playing it, so I'm not saying that with any judgment. It's basically a very fast-paced weapon where the right trigger becomes a parry. So every time you parry, you build up basically a charge meter and you deal more damage. You start out in like a blue range, and then if you parry more, or as you just do consecutive attacks, you go into the yellow range. And then if you parry more, you go into the red range and basically are dealing the most damage. I don't know what the best analog that is in Monster Hunter, but it's it's basically a weapon where you're uh, rewarded for being on the offensive because if you run and dodge and heal, you're going to lose your charge and it's going to reset. And you're going to be back at ground zero. Where if you're going in and you're trying to time your parries, you're going to get your keep your charge meter full and be able to deal the most damage. So it's very I guess that leads me to my. I guess that leads me to like uh, one of my first questions. Like when you mentioned the parry, like how did like how did you feel about like the readability of incoming weapon, like uh, you know enemy attacks? I know like in Monster Hunter, like especially when you get to like later game monsters, like they become very fast, very aggressive. They get like. Because of their speed, sometimes it's hard to use, like get a feel of the readability of their attacks. Like, how, how does it like compare to, like, I'm, how does Wild Hearts compare in that sense? I'm actually enjoying it a lot. A lot of the attacks definitely are well telegraphed, but there are ways where they have to keep you on your toes. So a lot of the attacks are, especially with the early monsters like King Tusk, it'll like rear up on its hind legs and then it's going to come crashing down, and it's pretty clear, like, okay, when it crashes down, I need to press this button, and it's. It's about as tight of window as doing like the the long sword dodge in Monster Hunter. So it's it's tight, but not too tight. It's not impossible. Uh, but there are some monsters that will either a they'll attack twice in a row. So like for instance, there's this like gorilla type monster called a lava back that will kind of do this arm swing helicopter move where he'll basically hit you twice. So if you want to parry it, you got to be ready to parry twice. There's been a few times where I parry the first yeah. time and I'm immediately thinking, "Fuck yeah, time to go in the oh, part." Darn, yeah, <laughs> time to go on the offensive. 
But then I forget, oh, I need to do that second parry too. And then it feels really good when I actually manage to parry both. And then like nice. if you two consecutive parries in a row, my meter has just jumped up like to pretty much full at that point. And I know like, hell yeah, I'm ready to go on the offensive. Then there are also some monsters where like it rears up on its hind legs. But then instead of crashing down, I believe this was the gold claw that did this. It's either the gold claw or the spore tail. Rears up on its hind legs, then it goes down on on all fours, and then shoulder rushes you. So there's a little bit of a delay because you think, okay, I need to parry as soon as it put its, puts its front legs down. But no, it puts its front legs down, and then it does a shoulder check. So there's there's little mon- there's little like there's false tells. But once you learn what the false tell is for a certain monster, you can then account for that. So I think it's I think it's pretty well like gameplay wise. I think we'll see if James feels otherwise, but. I think a lot of the mechanical mechanical underlyings of this game are really solid. It's just it's just you know unfortunate that the package is not well polished and, and not ready. And we'll go into more uh, into detail of that later. I have a, I have another big question for you and James, like on this game. So I like obviously Watch Art to Rise is like kind of the it kind of changed know. up the Watch Art like series in the sense that like it really brought a lot of verticality to your approach in fighting monsters. So. You know, before Rise, really, you, you were fairly well-grounded horizontally with monsters. So. But uh, in this one, like, verticality is also a big part of it because of, like, you know, you build up the Karakuri, you, like, you, some of them, like, you spring into the air, some you uh, you can, like, uh, climb up and jump off of. And I know that, you know, people who got their hands on the game, like, a lot of the game's monsters kind of take that into account in the sense that, like, a lot of their weak points are, like, like behind their backs you have to like kind of like get up on really on top of them to hit like their weak points like how, how do you feel about that that flow of combat in terms of like having to really like rely on your karakuri like structures to really hit hit them where that hurts like that like instead of just like you can't always just be on the ground in this game on like like earlier monster hunters i think it works out well and i also think one thing that uh, the game does that's interesting is that over the course of the game, you unlock these things called fusion karakuri, which uh, basically you put down a number of the basic karakuri in like a pattern, and that will build a like an advanced structure. Like if yeah. you set down six boxes like right next to each other, so it's like uh, two like columns of three, it'll build it'll build a barricade where if a monster like charges into it, it'll get like blown back and like like thrown through the air. And it's really funny because the first example of it is when you're fighting against the King Tusk and like gives you the tutorial for it. Like whenever you like basically kind of spark a new fusion Karakuri, I'm, I'm going to call it a spark. Yeah. You're getting out of excited. <laughs> basically what happens, like, I mean, Brian can attest that's basically what happens. Cause you get like a, a it's, it's funny. Cause like things slow down just a little bit, even in multiplayer, just for you. So you have time to like build the structure, like, and like react to what the monster is doing. But it's, it's funny because the first time you do it with the King Tusk and just seeing it get flown through the air because it gets like got pushed back is was like really funny. Because it runs into the barricade and then the barricade like explodes and launches them back. They don't just get hit and stop. So like King Tusk flies through the air okay, three times right. its height, flying backwards. And then yeah. one of the ones that's another pretty early one that you get that I like is three springs so there's, there's a basic car curry that's a spring that you just jump on to get some elevation it's just a nice way that even if you're in a flat playing field you can get some height and then if you build three of those in a row frames oh yeah and then if you build three of those in a row it basically just builds a hammer on a spring it's very like looney tunes but it's actually kind of fun or actually kind of like building like three of those in a row and just have like these three acme hammers coming down on a on a monster's head 
Then you do unlock things that are a little bit more intricate. There's even a little bit of ones where it's not quite Metroidvania, but in the first area, I was trying to gather some collectibles. Those are a minor aspect of the game. I won't detail them too much, but there were some areas that were blocked by like wooden vines, and I wasn't sure how I got to them. Later, you unlock a Karakuri combination that's basically a firebomb. And I guess the idea is, is that that's a good Karakuri to use for monsters that are explicitly weak to fire. There's a very basic, I believe, five element system in this game. I believe it's water, fire, earth, wood. Earth and wood are different and wind. So it's kind yeah. of an interesting take on elemental system. And I'm, there, there are certain monsters that are weak to fire. So using a bomb Karakuri is more likely to set them on fire and deal damage over time. But you can also use that bomb Karakuri to like unveil areas of the map you couldn't get to before. It's not persistent. Like when you reload the map, the, the vines will be back. But there's a little bit of a Metroidvania aspect there, which is it's not a major aspect of the game, but it was kind of neat. I guess when you um, mentioned the map, like how do they actually like handle the maps in this game? Is it like kind of like Monster Hunter World where it's like it's seamless but like visually busy, but like enough to like you know where you're going, or is that like, or it can't be like other like older monsters where it's like z- loading zone for zone? I can't. It's definitely probably not that. But like, what's the what are we the, what are we looking at when it comes to like map design and structure of this game? It's it's maps very similar def- to it's world. Very similar to world. Yeah, I'd okay. say that the maps are maybe even a little bit bigger than worlds, okay. but. Since you have access to stuff like the Dragon Karakuri, which are our permanent stuff you place in the environment that lets you get from one area to another oh. more quickly, like you can like make zip lines. They call them like flying vines. You also can build like a like not a unicycle, basically like a Star Wars like Episode One, like one of those like motorcycle things, but it's like the wheels on the outside. Excuse <laughs> me, that's like Episode Three. Yeah, I was say pod racing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh no! Like that. Okay, like the like the hover bikes from like the what the wooden planet in, the, no, in Star Wars no. episode three when Obi Wan oh. is on that one planet with a lizard thing, and then he gets like on a circular bike thingy. Like oh, okay, 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 okay. I'm sure. a nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually watched. I, it. I, 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 but anyway, I do. Uh, I do want to go into detail about about something that James mentioned. So, dragon Karakuri. So, there's basic Karakuri. Those are like boxes, springs. You have like a glider that's similar to like Breath of the Wild. You have the combination ones that you unlock through the story and then upgrade through a resource that you spend. Uh, there's a, there's a thing that's very the, the analog is like research points in World. You can use these research points to upgrade your Karakuri. Some of them are very basic, where it's like now your hammer has a higher chance of toppling an enemy or. Uh, but then there's also the dragon Karakuri. So I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure why they call them the dragon Karakuri. But what these are, are basically permanent structures that you put in the map. These things can range from literally a storage box to, like like James said, a, a vine, which is like a zip line that you can make. Like if you have an area of a map where there's a high cliff that you, that you spend a long time running around to get to the top, you can make a zip line back down. And that will persist even if you load and reload the map. You can make like a little, uh, for, like one of the very basic ones you get is a campsite. So you can build a campsite where you can rest. You can build like, there's a, there's a whole cooking system in this game. And I haven't unlocked it yet, but I, all yet. But I've actually been taking a decent number of notes because it's quite intricate. You can, you start out with like a very basic fire, fire spit. So you're, you're, you're almost very typical Monster Hunter where you put your roast on the spit and you cook it and make it more effective. Uh, let's have like, a, like music along with it when you're cooking no. it. It's all passive in real time. So in my, in my notes, and it's pretty intricate. So 
I'm sure people are figuring out, those that are able to play this game, are trying to figure out exactly what works. So you start out with a drying spit or a drying stake, where basically you can put any material on it to, to make it more effective in a linear manner. So if you get like, you, you hunt the basic monster and you get red meat, you put it on the spit and it becomes dried red meat and it's just more effective. It's a straight upgrade. But then, but then later you get like a pickling jar where you can say like, I'm going to add meat and then rock salt. And then you make salted meat and it has a slightly different or you can add herbs and make herbed meat or you can add miso and make miso meat or miso steak. And it's quite intricate. And there's the I'll get to the food system later. But the idea is is that the dragon curry are both like quality of life things like a storage box. There's also like these cooking things are all dragon curry. If you capture like the endemic life in Monster Hunter that is only used mostly to decorate your room. You can capture in this game and put in like a cage and then you can like get some resources from them. Like, for instance, I forget exactly what there's called, but there's some like chipmunks that you get that end up like if you if you capture a chipmunk and then you build a dragon curry curry cage, you can put the chipmunk in it. And every once in a while, you can get some seeds from it because I guess they're collecting like nuts is the idea or feathers if you capture a bird. And sometimes these are used in crafting where it's like, where do I get pet kimono feathers in order to make this armor piece? Oh, I got to capture some birds, build a cage, put some birds in the cage and then make sure to check it every once in a while to gather some feathers so it's almost like a farm only with wildlife you're putting in cages which (laughs) (laughs) did you feel bad about doing that it's it's okay it's okay later on you can build pens which are uh oh okay humane Uh, okay you you can have you can build like a little auto fisher. So there's like a seaside camp that I put like an auto fisher on where it just like it's a little boat that like little that paddles around and like you just check it every once in a while to gather some fish, which you then of course put in the pickling jar or put on the steak. I haven't unlocked the smoker yet, but I have got some smoked items from the shop. So I, I don't know exactly how that upgrade works. Um, there's also dragon curry curry that is like a watchtower. So basically you put these watchtowers up in the map and then you can activate them and then they'll like pulse and look for any monsters that are nearby. And later you can upgrade them to like when I was thinking of potentially writing some guides for this game, and I might still do that just depending on what people are Googling. If people are Googling, there are like Googling, (laughs) don't worry, (laughs) performance. Yeah. But if they, there are some collectibles. Like, for instance, there's instead of a palico in this game, you get a little like mechanoid droid called a Sukomo, and it can do everything from like do some damage. It can distract the monster if you like it dazed. It, it gives you some resources to to build Karakuri every once in a while. So it's basically like a palico. It's like a, it's a little assistant that you can I think you can choose if you if you think it makes the game too easy, you can choose to leave it behind and not go with it. Uh, but there, there's a bunch of those located throughout the map that you can kind of find and collect, and you can upgrade your watchtowers to like seek seek those out and and mark them for you. So these are things that like basically before too far into the game, you realize you should probably build some watchtowers in the four corners in the center of the map just to kind of get coverage for those. So if you're on a hunt that says hunt a fume beak, which is like a raven type monster, you can go to a watchtower and ping and basically like sonar check where the for where it's located so it's basically like this version's this game's version of the scout flies so oh, yeah, dragon, dragon, uh, i'll go go for it go on. i was just gonna say so dragon curry are basically like permanent structures that you can put on the map and that's 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 the one area of this game where i think it distinguishes its itself most from monster hunter because it, the ones it's, you, it's pretty like the like deceptive too when you when you, when you see the name you never would think like that's what what dragon Karakuri means <laughs> you know well, uh, one thing that I, one thing that i'm trying to uh, james tell me if you think otherwise one thing that kind of surprised me because it's like anti quality of life 
is that when you build a basic storage box, I, I kind of like default expected that your storage boxes would speak to each other. But as far as I can tell, at least so far, they don't. If I go to a campsite, yeah, if I go to a campsite and build a storage box and I put all my fish in it, if I want to retrieve my fish, I got to go into that campsite and that storage box to retrieve them out. If I go to a different one where I built a different storage box, it will not speak to it. It's not a magic chest, which yeah, I actually kind of think is is okay with I, yeah, I think I like that because it gives you a kind of thing where it's like, okay, let's say you're in, and I guess one thing I can say really quickly that's unique about this game is that each of the four main regions are just all based off of like a season. Okay, so, cool. So what I was going to say is, well, for example, like maybe you have prepared food that gives you like ice resistance. You can store all that food in your storage box at the camp for the winter region yeah i didn't think about that and i'm like well that's obvious i should have thought of that <laughs> but yeah that's actually a really interesting sort of system like you know because like modern games have taught you like ah oh, yes it's a storage system everything's shared yeah like, this know. is a this is a treasure chest of course they're all shared that's how games work oh wait they're not that's pretty <laughs> that's that's pretty neat i can i can get behind that in, in general like play time like like when people decide, hey, this is at a state where like it's playable and it's enjoyable and I can play with like people without any sort of fuss or hassle out of the performance, which we'll get to. Like what's what sort of playtime are we looking at and what does like end game look like in this game? Probably like thirty to forty hours just to get to credits, I would say. Okay. I'm not sure. Like how far have you gotten, uh, Brian? I, have you I'm about twenty five hours in and I've just unlocked basically this version's this game's version of high rank but i've been doing i've been doing pretty exhaustive with the side hunts and the side yeah. hunts are are kind of kind of what you expect for monster monster hunting like games at least in my experience so you'll you'll hunt a fume beak in the story then you'll unlock a side hunt to fight a fume beak again as a side hunt and then as you do that you'll unlock another side hunt to fight a fume beak in a different location where it's like okay now i'm fighting it in the winter region instead of in the island region or whatever then you'll unlock a hunt where it's like okay now you get to hunt both a fume beak and a spore tail in the same hunt and then you'll unlock a hunt that now you do them with one less life you still get three carts in this game they're not cards but same same mechanic so there is a little bit of repetition but with any monster hunting game you're, you kind of come to expect that and in order in order to build the uh the armor you kind of need a little bit of that anyway but yeah i'm at the uh I've just got high rank at like the 25 hour mark being being pretty exhaustive trying to do like all the side hunts as they appear. And That's then cool. like a, like when it comes to like, hey, all right, uh, I reach end game. Like, is there like any goals you're striving for specifically in the game that they, they lay out? You don't have to be like too specific if you think it's spoiler. Well, I'm not at end game, so I, I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Basically, there is an end game loop. So you have like regular kimono and then high rank is the mighty kimono which is just like a way of saying they are stronger they deal more damage they have more health they have new attacks? There, yes cool and then there is another form of kimono at the end once you've reached the end game and uh yeah it's just more of what you'd expect from monster hunter okay. type stuff but uh it's like generally like and i said as much in my review it's like if the technical aspect of this game wasn't a problem, I would like wouldn't hesitate to recommend it. It's really good. Like the one thing that everyone, like seriously, everyone in, and I guess full disclosure, uh, during the review process, EA made a Discord server for people to be able to match make 
while they were playing the game so that you could test out multiplayer. I did actually test out multiplayer. I believe I mentioned in the review that it worked out really, really well. Like the networking is like the one aspect of this game that's really technically well done at, at this point. But I've uh, heard more about this game's like content and gameplay from this conversation alone than like anywhere else on the internet because, you know, rightfully so, that like thing I've really heard from like outside of here is like, okay, th- this game sounds cool and awesome, but like, no, everyone's pretty. Everyone that I know that I've ever played pretty much, much boss bounced off of it from the early access. Here they're like, you know, we'll just wait for performance patches like a few months in, and hopefully by that time it'll be at a lower price point, and then maybe that'll be a, you know, good time to jump jump in because yeah, it seems like it was know, an unforced error. They should have released this like a few, like a month or two from now. At yeah. a, like I'm just gonna say this, I was maybe a bit nice to Koei Tecmo when I was talking about Will Long my preview in the sense that the issue with Wild Heart right now well Wild Hearts right now where people with RDNA 3 cards just straight up can't play the game because of like graphical artifacts with SSR that was a problem with Will Long when I did my preview I didn't say anything about it because it was like two months out from launch and also you can completely turn off SSR in that game so you can get rid of the artifacting but Koei Tecmo knew about this issue of their engine over a month ago. And it and Wild Hearts was still allowed to release with this massive, like epileptic like hazard. Like Yeah, you, I mean like like yeah, like yeah. It's just you've seen like I shared some screenshots of it and I just like I don't think that looks, that looks bad. It's not good. I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm being unreasonable to no. be hung up about this. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah, there, there, no there, there will be people there will be there will be people who are playing on that, but even like for people who are not on that structure, who may be on like NVIDIA cards, like even like people who are like on the more like more commonly used graphics cards, you know, even on powerful ones, they can like barely squeeze 40 like you know, FPS out of like this game, like even on like 4090s, because like for whatever reason, like there's some sort of like performance bottleneck on PC that just makes this like run really badly some people have compared it like uh, like like play metroid underwater because it slows down you know to that point and you know people on consoles are like you know we're sacrificing a lot of visual quality to like you know somewhat get a pro- like you know somewhat almost stable performance out of this but when you go into multiplayer on consoles you run into a lot of performance issues there so it's just like it just seems like no matter where you're playing you're really sacrificing something to like <laughs> play shit yeah, that sounds pretty awful. Like I remember, forty ninety car could run this. Yeah. Thing. I, I remember I, Josh asked me like how it runs, and I had just finished playing Forspoken, and I'm like, not as bad as Forspoken, but it's it's it isn't great. I'm luckily on an I, Nvidia card, so I'm not having the artifacting issues. But yeah, it's fights. I'm fighting a lot of monsters unless they're in like an interior cave or something. If I'm out in the forest, it's like 40, 50 FPS. Oh, man. And it's like, you, you know, you, like, you know, like people are like, well, that's better than 30, but it's like, you know, you, you powerful graphics cards. Like, you want to, like, you want to feel like you got your money's worth out of that graphics card. Yeah. Like, I can play, I can play Rise or World well, at 60. Well, and this isn't actually defending the game, but apparently the main issue has been like CPU bottlenecking. Which, granted, again, it is a CPU-heavy game. It's current-gen only. I was only able to get 30 FPS on my laptop because even then I was hitting over, like, 70% CPU utilization on that laptop CPU. So it's like, oof. Apparently, and recently, people found out. There's multiple people that say this works, so I don't know what the hell causes this. But if you set your audio settings to 5.1 or 7.1 surround sound, somehow cpu utilization works out better and you have less frame drops yeah i heard about it yeah 
or be at this point, I'm like, if I have to do any some sort of like workaround to like maybe get a little bit of boost, I'll just wait for performance patches months down the line. Oh yeah, so, again, and just just and just wait for like I'm a man of the people. I, I want to play this game with friends. I like you know I don't want to play this too much on my own because I think I, I like I like Monster Hunter. You know, playing Monster Hunter with people. So a lot of my friends and I were excited for this and just for it to go like this. Like, all right, well. We'll just wait on this, and you know, by that point, there'll be a price shot because it's a seventy dollar game as well. So, you know, if they have the stars aligned and they can get it just to like an acceptable, like you know, rate, both in price and performance, then we're good to go. Because, like you know, we're we're all very open minded and giving this a shot. This looked really cool, but it's just like, come on, man, this is fucking unacceptable to release like this. This is crazy. We're, I don't think we're. I don't. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for like. A working game when you're when you're charging seventy dollars at launch, you know. Not in this time of age. Fuck, man. It's just I feel bad. It's definitely not like the developers' fault, you know. They worked their ass off on this game. I'm sure it's this unreasonable deadline set by like higher ups. Like you have to be out by this fucking date. And I, well, all right, I guess. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people working this game that are well aware of like these of the state of this months and months ago, and they're like, well, you know, <laughs> we got to make deadline. What are you gonna do? <laughs> It's bad. Feels bad, man. Like it, it seems like developers did something really freaking impressive, but they got screwed over by like their deadline, you know. And that's that, that's a pretty common story. Yeah. <laughs> there are a couple more aspects of the game itself that I want to discuss, just just mm-hmm. to try to like yeah. keep comparing it to like Monster Hunter, or like how yeah. this game is similar, how it's different. Obviously, James mentioned playing in multiplayer, and it's you know it's three hunters, not four. It's kind of exactly what you expect, but one thing that is a little bit different that's kind of nice is when you're playing in, mo- in multiplayer, if, a, if an, an ally goes down, you do have a window to revive them. You go over and it's quite difficult because at this point, the, the, the monster, of course, is beating down on you and them. And you have an opportunity to go over there and it's just, it's just hold the button to try to pull them back up. But if you manage to do that, you can get them back up without using a cart or using like cool. one of your three fails. So that's kind of nice where it's like you, it, it's also worth mentioning that like this has this title when it's working, like supports full crossplay as well, you know, which is really fucking awesome. And that's something that monster Hunter still doesn't do, you know? So that's, that's something that I really want to look forward to. It's like, Hey, no matter what platform my friends that I get it on, at least we can play together. And that's, you know, I'm like, like, hey, what platform are you getting Monster Hunter on? PC? Yeah. Oh, fuck, I already bought it. So, oh, I can't transfer my Switch product. Oh, fuck. All right, all right, let me go catch up on PC again. And uh, the, and we'll play together, you know? It's like, at least this one, right out of the gate, it's like, yeah, what's crossplay? And like, hopefully the next Monster Hunter like, just does that. Because if the next mon- mainline Monster Hunter comes out and doesn't have crossplay, like, that'll, it'll look really fucking bad compared to this, then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the next Monster Hunter will have crossplay. Because, like, with the most recent title update for Sunbreak, uh, like, Capcom made a whole deal where it's like, hey, we sign up for a Capcom account, like, and link it to your, like, Steam. What, what? So you can, like, get this, like, DLC out, like, DLC um, skin for, like, your uh, Pal Mute. Is it, like, the thing they're doing for um, Street Fighter Six when you have, like, a Capcom ID to sign yes, up for that? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, and we know that Street Fighter Six is going to have, like, crossplay. So I think it's kind of, like, their thing where it's, like, they're trying to tie it into Capcom IDs, which yeah. makes sense if you're going to do crossplay. Yeah, so. they're probably going to be offering towards that. And, you know, and, and more and more, like, the platforms are, like, you know, getting to Discord as well. So, like, you know, Discord integration is already on Xbox, and then at it's the on PlayStation, PlayStation beta, now too. Yeah, as a beta, yeah. And then, so, like, they, they don't have to, like, 
they don't have to deal with that with the hassle of like how are like people on different platforms going to talk to you? It's like no, everything's just through Discord now, and like everyone finally got on board. So there you, go. <laughs> you know, so that's finally we're we're almost to that unified future, slowly yeah. but surely. Um, you know, so that's that's something that you know that was once again like something really appealing about Wild Arts is like cool. This is just crossplay from the get go, and from what I'm hearing, like from your guys' experience, it's like hey, like the network infrastructure, you know. Performance shit aside, at least the network infrastructure like is really solid in this game. Like it's really nice to know. And luckily, when I've played Rise on PC, it's worked a lot better. But I remember when Iceborne, not not even Iceborne, Base Monster Hunter World came to PC. It used the Steam client or Steam API. I forget what the actual Steam software is called, but used that for its for its matchmaking, and it was terrible for a long time. Like disconnects. It still is. I like have had multiple conversations with people that were still playing World to to let you know how bad Steam's like actual matchmaking is. Whenever when I had my roommate, when we tried to play Monster Hunter, sometimes we would disconnect from each other. We are in the same connection. (laughs) (laughs) Steam network was like, you know what? It can't be done, Amigo. We can't find you. It just it's just too hard to find each other. (laughs) Where are you? Can't find you. That's that sucks. But. So, so there's two other gameplay mechanics that are a little bit more in the weeds. But if you have any affinity towards Monster Hunter games at all, it's something that this game does a little bit differently, at least in my experience, which I know is not as full as some games or potentially Josh's. But the armor system in this game at, at its face value is exactly what you would expect. You have basically different armor sets, typically based on a region or on a monster. Sometimes it's on two monsters that have, might have a similar theme. The game does this kind of interesting thing where it kind of gives each monster has like a logo. It's kind of what represents them on the map. It's like their icon. And each armor set will actually show the monster's logo at the top of it, like at the header. Like this is the mon- this, this is the armor for the ice tusk. This is the armor for the lava back. Sometimes it'll show okay. two. Like this is the armor for the fume beak and the ice tusk or whatever. But once you build armor, then you can actually upgrade it into two different routes the human route or the kimono route. They call the kimono the monster's kimono, which I guess Chow is just Japanese for beast or monster. Yeah. But that's what they call them in game. And this the story of this game is this is a tangent, but I'm now now my brain is fixated on it. <laughs> English dub of this game, it's it's fine, but they do this thing where they pepper in Japanese words for no reason. It's like, okay, I could just always just play this in Japanese too, where You'll be talking to like one of the major characters is a smith named Natsume, and she'll be like, Arigato. And I'm just like, Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> or Sugoi. Or I, was terrified. You know, you I was terrified. <laughs> I think we mentioned I mentioned this when I when I went over like my preview experience during the podcast last year, but I swear to God, like playing through this game, I was terrified that somebody was going to say Goman and Sorry, and I just was gonna lose it. Chow, you know you know who this reminds me of when they when they like pepper in Japanese words and like they're they're a uh, character from Fate Grand Order with the glasses. No, no, not Sakabe Hime, but I know you're. Doing, I, I think I'm Chip Zanda from Guilty Gear. Because yeah. oh, because he he says a lot of like you know Japanese words like in the middle of like just fighting like and like and like he's a very like it's very like kind of <laughs> a little obnoxious about it, but really funny. Anyway, it's like that sidetracked well, from my clear, point. Be clear, all the the English dub voice actors. All of them are fluent in Japanese, actually. And I actually wondered, like, is this the same as the Japanese cast? It's not. But they specifically picked actors who are fluent in Japanese to do the English dub. And then they peppered in the words, the Japanese words. 
it's a little bit strange, but that's what they decided to go with. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That, that I mean, that, that that's a pretty cool casting choice that they they mm-hmm. went with. Like, you know, maybe the integration maybe leaves something to this. Maybe the integration is like kind of a bit awkward, but like the actual like you know casting direction. That's a cool. That's a cool way to go about it. So the point that I got distracted from is that when you upgrade your armor, you can either make it. You can upgrade it either through a human path or a kimono path or monster path. And what these will do is on your armor and on your weapons, just like in Monster Hunter, you'll have some sort of trait or talent that will be, you know, imbued to your weapon or armor. But some of them won't be active unless you're it's kind of like Paragon Renegade for a very shitty comparison. But you basically have a meter at the bottom of your character sheet that is based on your equipment. What, you know, are you? Are you more human or are you more monster? And it's all based, as far as I can tell, on your equipment upgrade selection choices. So you might have like, okay, if I craft this piece of armor, not only does it have great stats or great ice resistance when I'm going to the ice area, but it'll have this ability that's really good if I'm sufficiently demon enough or kimono enough. So that'll only trigger if I build enough armor pieces in my kit with that upgrade path. So... (laughs) This is really funny because the first thing I think of is like I think of that stupid fucking bit of like I can I can be your angel or your devil, but it's just like I could be your whole human or your kimono. Yeah, so that's pretty much what it is. It's a nice little wrinkle where you have you once you build an armor set, you don't have to upgrade it if you like don't plan to use that talent or whatever. But but you kind of want to because it also just gives you straight up more defense. Yeah, uh, inter- that's an interesting interesting choice of like you know. Interesting way to like go about like branching that, and then like kind of reminds you of like the the alpha and beta armor branching of in world a little. It's kind it's kind of like that, and then the weapon system is similar but different. The nice thing about the weapon system is that right from the outset you see the whole tree, and if you ever want to go backwards on the tree, like let's say you you branch off and you're like, okay, I have the basic Wagasa. Okay, I want the wind element Wagasa. Okay, here's a wind element Wagasa, but it has a higher stats because I've tiered up a bit. Okay, I don't want the wind element anymore. I wish I took another branch because now I'm fighting something resistant to wind. You can back up and get all your spent materials back and then take another branch if you want. So you can go backwards. The only cost is the gold cost you don't recover. And but that's like that's kind of more nominal. Yeah. So you don't get everything back. But the important, more valuable things are like your resources. Oh, I just I just used a whole bunch of lava back tails in order to make this flame weapon. But now my flame weapon's no good. But if you go backwards along the tree, you'll get those tails back. how easy is it to like uh, like accrue money like that? Like, are you taking like a big big like kit to like your money and be like, oh shit? Well, I just like like took off hours of progress on like not getting that money, you know, by by reverting it. I've like, never had. I've never had to worry about money. I'm not okay. like absolutely loaded. If I was trying to like keep one weapon type upgraded from every single possible type, I'd probably feel at the pinch a lot more rather than just be like a solo only one weapon type main. So if I if I wanted to have like multiple kits, the burden would be a little bit higher. But there, the thing is, is that there are some ways to get items that are specifically for selling. And I don't have like any quite farm yet, but there might be certain ways where you you hunt a certain small monster that gives you items that you can sell that are only for selling or things like that. So I bet there's ways that to figure out like a good efficient, you know, gold per hour like for for instance, there's... it's like it's like the fucking rise tech of like going to that one map, the lava route, and like uh, like go going to mine and then selling the what you mine off of that route. 
to maximize like your your earnings per hour. <laughs> yeah. So so like for instance, just as that an, was something that was in most Monster Hunters too. There was always yeah, yeah. crap. That's just the most recent example that, that comes to mind because that's the most recent Monster Hunter. But yeah, there's always been that like weird, goofy tech in Monster Hunters. Like, here's how you maximize your your money if you really want to get into it. But just, just as an example, there's a small creature. Um, there's endemic life, which are the ones you capture and put in cages or pens, like a monster. But then there's like the small kimono, like little beasts. Those are like the armus or whatever. But uh, not armu, that's a xenoblade term. Whatever the uh, whatever the the armored creatures are in Monster Hunter. But there's a turtle. Yeah, there's a, there's a turtle type creature on the beach area that whenever there's a small monster, you can either hunt it to get like its pelt or its meat or its scales, or if you sneak up to it, you can pet it, and then you okay. get like a, you you get a different drop. And if you go, I believe, I hope I have this right. If you go up to this turtle and you sneak up and you pet it, it drops a shell, which doesn't make sense like physically, but it's just, it's the item it drops as a gameplay mechanic, which that shell is only good for selling. Does it sell for enough to make that farm viable? I have no idea, but that's just the idea. Like there are some materials that are specifically for selling and maybe there's a way, there's a route where you can get a bunch of these and sell them at once, but I've never really had to worry about money. The materials have always been a lot more premium. And just like in Monster Hunter, you can break off parts to uh, to guarantee like if you fight a, an ice tusk and you cut off its tail you can go to its tail and carve it to guarantee that you get the tail even if you don't carve the tail upon defeating the creature you might get one anyway and you might you still go yeah, yeah. There's, there's no guarantee you get the tail in monster hunter even if you cut off its tail <laughs> yeah well in this game as far as i can tell if you cut off a tail or something it actually is the part you cut off okay like all is. right yeah as sometimes far- it's like there's something it's like you got a fucking pelt like dude i just wanted the tail I, there's a tail right here it's like nope you got a pelt i'm like okay thanks <laughs> i always but, think about how sometimes rajangs are just freaks of nat- nature that have like four hearts for some reason yeah well, well, even in th- well, even in this game, if you fight a king tusk and you cut off its tail and carve the tail, then you defeat it, and then you get like your your regular spoils from the fight. And for the regular spoils, there is no like difference between killing and capturing. Just as soon as you oh, defeat okay. it, you get all the spoils. Oh, and that's is another there? thing. There is no capturing in this game. Mm-hmm. Once a monster is out of HP, it falls over and it's stunned, and you ha- basically do a glory kill on it. Okay, that's <laughs> that, that, that. That seems extreme. That's a, the I haven't seen that. But and yeah, then once you do, right. then once you, and then once you do that, you immediately get all the spoils. And cool. you, like even if you already carved a tail, you might get another tail from the spoils. Does it have like the carving animation? Like you like you kind of rummage through it, to, like nope. your 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 knife. N- not at the end of the fight, but if you cut the tail and you carve through that, it kind of does. But not at the end of the fight. At the end of the fight, it just you just get a UI pop and you like. You oh, okay. Wow, that's gonna be weird to get used to. Like, wait, I don't, I don't have to like carve it. Oh man, yeah, it's gonna it fuck me like, up. Yeah, it feels wrong. <laughs> Another thing I heard is like, there's no sharpness in this game, right? Nope. For your weapons. Okay, yeah, that's that's weird to get used to as well, man. There's no, there's no stamina regeneration either. It just like there is, about, um, there is the food the system, but the food system is pretty. It's the itemization of the food system is pretty detailed, like all the cooking that I talked about. But the implication in fight is pretty straightforward. Every food item has a hunger cost from like zero to forty, and you can eat anything up to one hundred. So let's say you have five turnips and they all cost 20 food. You can eat all five because 20 times five, it'll be 100. But if you have steak that costs 40, you can only eat two because two will get you to 80 and you can't eat. Is that like the Harvestella like hunger? Okay. But the food, 
the main thing I wanted to get to was it doesn't fall off. You eat it and you just have it for as long as you're on that excursion. You can okay. then, or at least, I, at least, at least I haven't like sat around and idled and see does it fall off. As far as I can tell, it doesn't. And the, the food buffs are everything you expect. Like most, most all food items give you HP, so it's almost good to at least eat something, even if like one item that I found is very basic that you get in abundance are soy, like green soybeans. It's like health plus six defense plus one percent and you can eat like four of them so at the very easy it's just like just eat four of these if nothing else get some defense get some health but almost every food item gets you some health so you're basically making and it harder reason... your... go ahead sorry and the reason you cook is that if you cook food it improves its effects but it doesn't really have an impact on how much it costs to eat that food so it's like so and, and there's different like levels of like effectiveness for like uh that food in the first place so it's like the cooking system it's like okay here's a really high quality like base item here's really high quality seasoning what i'll get out of it is a really really effective like cooked version of the base item oh, so, so the, like the so the food so the food but that did you cook and then you consume this game that raises your maximum hp pool in this game yes, yes. and th- and then is there like any equivalent to monster Hunter where like you can go up to a table and like just eat that and get like you know, max potential health, or like, is that only through food? And there's no like table to only gather around and eat. Only through food. Only through food. So there's no, there's no muscular chef or whatever. Nope. nope. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, at the rebound. Yeah. So in, yeah, in the mean in the Minato city, it's pretty basic. There are some basic quests, and the basic quests are usually just like fight a monster. Some of them are gather these specific items. And they give you just materials and money. Like there's there's nothing super intricate about them. But there, if you just want a reason to fight something, get a little bit of bonus out of it, you can do it. And some of them do tag together where it says like I forget I, I can't remember any quest names off the top of my head, but it's like history of the city part one and then part two. So maybe it'll tear up into something pretty big by the end. But yeah, it's they're, actual they're, like instead of it just being like a side request where it's like, hey, can you do this for me? Thank you. It's like there is a little bit of a narrative attached to it, even if it's not major at all. And then in the city, there is there's obviously the blacksmith. There is there's a whole smith that's all based on cosmetics, which I don't really care about. Like it costs resources to make them, and you can make like necklaces and brooches and things like that. So there's that there's that. And they're so stuff. minor that it doesn't really. Is, is, there, is there are there like any like is there like any like in game store that costs real money or is there like any real mo- like ask no. like, I'm asking the same just like well, defeated the, the, real money. Oh, yeah. when you say real money, you mean like oh. microtransactions? Like, 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 yeah, but I think of like, you know, because it's published by EA, so some part of it, like, is there like an in-game store where like you use real money to like purchase cosmetics or something like that? Just, you know, just, just a heads up for people. No, Not that I'm they, aware of. They, no. they said that there wouldn't be any microtransactions, and I couldn't find any. So. Okay, okay. Yeah, I forgot they, they, they said that. In Minato, there's also a basic general store. As far as I can tell, they just sell like mostly consumables where like, Oh look, this this store is selling s- smoked rice. So you can you can get rice in the game. You can buy a, you can eventually build a smoker. I'm guessing you can eventually make that yourself. But like, oh, this, there's there's just someone in the store. I can just buy some and not have to make it. There's there's a there's a small system where you spend money for like rebuilding the town. But as far as I can tell so far, the benefit from it is just increasing your bag size. Hey, which is not nothing, but it seems like a little bit incongruent. Like. 
here's some money to help this group of carpenters upgrade the town. Oh, thank you for investing here. Here's a bigger bag on me. It's on the house. Well, on the house after you've paid them. So now instead of holding up to 20 soybeans, I can hold up to 30 or whatever. So there's a little bit of progression there. I don't know. So far, it seems pretty straightforward. There's like a there's like a request system that's very much like the research tasks in Monster Hunter, where it's like hunt 10 small creatures with a katana. And then once you do, you'll get points. I should ask this uh, earlier when you're talking about voice actors, but there, you, were, you just reminded me, does this game have any like language option where it's just like Wild Hearts language? Nope. Like, okay, dang it. <laughs> All right. Complete Monster Hunter knockoff. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like kind of comparing it. That's like, okay, what does this and doesn't this doesn't do to Monster Hunter? Okay, okay. When you're when you're healing in this game, does like when you're when you consume like like something to heal, or do you stay in place, or can you walk around? And is there like a little flex at the end if you if after healing? The you walk slowly. Did you? Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, if you played the low long demo, it the healing kind of works like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. And honestly, I think with that, I think we've at least touched on all the constituent pieces of this game. This is the most I've ever learned about the game ever since it came out, to be honest. <laughs> it's been hard to find like actual discussion about like uh, what does what do you do in this game? What's it like? I, I get it, but one thing that's yeah, a little bit interesting not working, it's like mm-hmm. you're gonna just refund it, but well, yeah, we have to cover it, so we have to play it. One thing that's a little bit interesting is that. The game is subdivided into chapters. And so what that means is you'll be looking at your world map and then you can actually select chapter one or chapter two. And let's let's say you're looking at the first region of the game, which is like the autumn region, I believe. In chapter one, these monsters are found here and they're the very basic early monsters. But in chapter two, these monsters are found here instead. So basically it kind of uses the same map space, but allows you to more dial in kind of what's in the hmm. map. It's a little bit awkward, and I don't know if it was needed, but I guess that way they eliminate randomization and they can... I do like I do like once you reach into the high-rank equivalent, the areas themselves get a bit warped. Like, the spring region has aspects of the fall region, and other regions, like, have similar stuff. Like, the, uh, the summer region has aspects of the winter region. I, I do like mm-hmm. that they do that. So it's kind of like inverting it in some like portions of it, which kind of explains why you might find certain monsters in older areas. I feel like it's a good like uh, recontextualization. And it is still kind of nice that I talked about this earlier, but just like while we're talking about the maps, the dragon carry curry that you built that are permanent. It is kind of neat. I don't know. There's something about like seeing like a high cliff, but you see like you already built yourself like a little staircase to get up it. Like, oh, yeah, I built that for me or. See, like the the zip line that you built earlier that you can now use to catch up to the monster really quickly because you set yourself up for success earlier. So uh, that that aspect of it is kind of fun, just to kind of because you get a fair number of resources and there's a system with these like little vessels that you can like spend minerals to upgrade how many like your resource limit in any map. Like there's usually there's a there's a limit to like you can't just build ten thousand bird cages. You can only build three. Things like that, but you can you can kind of like give yourself more resources to build as you go through, and it's kind of like there's like a preparedness faction to it, or where you set up your you do some slower, more methodical stuff on the front end, so that once you get into combat, you've got everything you need on the back end because you set up your storage boxes with your yeah. freeze resistant food, or you've set up your zip lines so that you can get up to the cliff really quickly, or there's a there's a, there's something here that you built yourself a glider at this point, and things like that. But yeah, it's unfortunate that the um, 
game launch in the state that it did it's at least at least it's at the point where like underneath it all you can kind of see the game underneath and i've still had I've, i'm lucky because i don't have an rdna3 card that i haven't had the artifacting issues so even though i'm playing it at a, at a with like some struggling on the frame rate and the, the game itself has good looking environments but the character models and animations are a little bit dated but i guess for a monster hunting game that doesn't really matter too much to me the story and the the dialogue and the, like the mocap or things like that if they're a little bit more limited that doesn't bother me too much i like i said at the very outset of this discussion i really do like the monster de- designs it doesn't feel like rc cola monster hunter it feels like something unique and different mm-hmm. so it's it's got promise it's just unfortunately in the state it's in now is not living up to it and ea has mentioned that they're planning to support this game with a lot of free updates you know Hopefully we can look back on this game in a month or two and see that they put a ton of work into it and we can wholeheartedly suggest it. Yeah, I really hope it gets fixes though and, and fast, man, because you, you only get one shot to get a good first impression and they're botching it really hard right now. So they really need to they really need to turn the narrative around quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, this game, I think this game could have been a huge hit if it actually like launched in a good state. Yeah. Sounding like. What a bummer at the at the moment. So it doesn't take a review bomb like me <laughs> to get yeah, four years later. Seriously. I would love to play this game with friends. This sounds like a really fun game. Yeah, well, <clears throat> we can definitely give an update next week to see if the promise patch actually yeah. releases over time and if it uh, makes it so I can actually play the game on my desktop without uh yeah. Yeah, without yeah. like having to wear sunglasses and hopefully not go blind. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, does anyone have an Intel graphic card? Could they for nope. that? Kind of rip. Uh, as an aside, Chow, don't get an Intel graphics card. <laughs> I heard like, good things. Well, oh no, no, it's it's about like the fact that like we've like anecdotally, I've been like keeping track of like the stock for like open box like uh, Intel cards at my micro center, and they sell so slowly that the sales are probably not great. And then there's also the thing where. Like Mind Factory, you can see every like month how many cards they sell. Those cards are not selling. You will not get support in two years. Just buy an AMD or NVIDIA card. I'll just get a forty ninety. Oh, you hear the guy. You hear it. Just, yeah. just uh, get, 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 uh, get a case that just get a forty ninety. Yeah, get, get the biggest case that you can get a forty ninety. That's yeah, the main reason I didn't get a forty ninety. Is it's like, well, not only is it so expensive, but I'd have to get a new case too. It's yeah, like, that's an extra like one hundred and thirty bucks. It's like, uh, fuck that. I'm not looking for it. No, I I don't want to think about upgrading my PC for. You're you're for, good. You're good. Just good. wait until the fifth, the five thousand series. You got thirty eighty. You can yeah, I, yeah. So just wait till the point where you just bolt up the motherboard onto the GPU. We're already there. <laughs> and with that, we'll move on to the second major game. Wow, I didn't really I can't realize we discussed that game for an hour. But hey, I think it was a really fruitful discussion, and it's always kind of cool to, to talk about a new IP on this podcast. Yeah. But we'll move into the second major game of the of the week. And this is going to lean the discussion over more into Josh's court. And this is a game that I'm eager to touch on as well. And that is the release, the worldwide release of Like a Dragon Ishin, which is the first official Western version of what was previously known in the West as Yakuja, Yakuza Ishin. So Josh is the perfect person to have covered this game because he is familiar with the original version of this game on PS3, I believe it was PS3, and then was able to look okay. at the game for us now on its new engine, now in the new like a dragon paradigm for rgg studios yeah 
This is, the, for people who don't know, this is the second historical samurai spinoff that the Yakuza series has had. The first one was on, also on the PS3 called <laughs> um, the, the Like a Dragon series. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'll stop. Yeah, 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 no, <laughs> you know, the first one was uh, Yuga Gotoku Kenzan, and then that was pretty early on into the PS3's lifespan. This one is Ishin. This is the second one, cross-generational. Back in 2014, that released on PS3 and PS4 only in Japan. This is one that a lot, a lot of people, you know, Yakuza fans have been really looking forward, uh, forward to because, you know, the the historical spin-offs for Yakuza have always been kind of like a bizarre side project for them. It's like, hey, what if you like played the uh, Yakuza game, but it was like it was just like in a completely different historical time setting and you play as Kiryu, but he's a samurai. It's like, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. So this one's set in the Bakumatsu era, era. so this is uh, kind of in that time period when like it's kind of nearing the end of the Bakufu, which is like the military government. So instead of like the the power, the governmental power being with the emperor in Japan, it's about mainly towards like the shogun, like the Tokugawa shogunate. So in this one, you play Sakamoto Ryoma, a ronin, uh, you know, very very famous historical figure. Obviously, this game doesn't like it. Doesn't really tell like super historical accuracy comes in like the terms being used and like the general flavor of the setting, but not like the actual details of what happened in, in that time period. So it's not like a retelling of like you know what who was. It's not like true to the facts of like how we know the story as it is today. I kind of um, always thought of it as like King Arthur. Yeah, it's you know, like that, embellished historical fiction. <laughs> like that. yeah that's not that's not that's not a bad way to, to, to think about it so in in this game uh, you know you at the very beginning of the game like the opening cinematic it's kind of like a flash forward of like oh this is where things are leading up to but then it is a flashback of like how did things get to there so you at the very beginning of the game you are ryoma who is coming back to his hometown of tosa uh, and he gets reunited so, with his like adopted father and sworn brother and go, go for it the, the i i to dumb no. this down, I know the answer to this, but I still still think I need to ask it for clarity. Sure. So Ryoma looks like Kiryu, has the same mm-hmm. voice actor, same model, same everything, uh-huh. but is that's they're just borrowing that. It's there, yeah, the there's bar, there, there, yeah, there's not a Kiryu's send sender or ancestor or anything like that. It's nothing like that. It's just the, the the historical Yakuza games do like to do that, like where they just kind of borrow the likenesses, like the voice actor, the model. Of characters in the mainline Yakuza game, they even did that at Kenzan. You know? So, like you know, had yet similar looking characters and voice actors from the main game, like same same models, same likenesses, but they're not the same character. There's not here you putting on a samurai outfit and like role playing. There's actual like the character. It's not even like non-canon Kiryu if he was from that time period. It's just not no. him. It's a different character. No, it's just not so, him, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can play, play completely straight. It's not like, oh, it's not like a play that he's doing at like the local school or anything. <laughs> you know? No, it's nothing like that. It, it's just, you know, to, to, that, that's how they established connecting with their audiences. Is, and mm-hmm. as I mentioned in the review, you know, like, it's not, it's like, it also serves as like a kind of treat for fans because, you know, some of the likenesses that they use, like Akiyama, is in this in this game is like he has a certain character, but the model and the voice actor is the same as Akiyama, and like the narrative role that he serves in this game is sort of similar to what you can uh, like how he is in the mainline game. So he's a lone shark then. <laughs> Not really, but you know, but like in terms of like where maybe his alliances and where, where he ends up, you know, I'll keep I'll keep it vague on purpose, but like you know, like it's sort of like that. 
like let's say with that like Ryuji Goda from he's like the main antagonist in Yakuza 2 like he he was he was always seen as like a rival to Kiryu in the mainline game like in this game like they he kind of shares as like a similar sort of rivalry with Ryoma with his character obviously they have a different character altogether but like in terms of like rivalry and like his sort of personality is like you can you can definitely draw parallels there so not exactly the same character, but you know it's the, it's the meant to like kind of it's a fan service, you know. Well, at least <laughs> at the end not, of the day, at least he's not running an idol agency. So. <laughs> so, so how how is this game like organized? So obviously, in the main series games, and even in like the Judgment games, you usually get a familiar map: Komarocho, Yokohama, Sotenbori, and basically that map will be the. Where the story takes place, it'll have side events. They'll be it'll be given like a story marker. You sometimes can travel between maps depending on the game. Is this game like organized in the same fashion? Yeah. So after like that opening chapter of Tosa and some story events happen, you Ryoma basically relocates to Kyo, which is you know modern day Kyoto. That's where uh, most of the story happens. Like Kyo is basically your Kamurocho and Ishin. That's his. That's your basically main town, main hub to like walk around in, run around in, mostly events, lots of sub stories you run into there, lots of markets, lots of side activities. There are like some little mini like regions and maps that like split off. Like, say, like you go to the left of Kyo, you go to like a little mini region to get into the Shinsengumi barracks. While you go to the right of that region, it's Gion, and then like uh, you can find like um, some some restaurants there and so and like you know, the, the little dating game there as well where like you can like drink with someone and play rock strip rock paper scissors with them and all that fun stuff and then like and then and to the south of Kyo, you can have like a boatsman get get you to like like a, a fishing spot or go to mukuro guy which is like kind of its own separate thing as well and but you know but for the most part Kyo is your kamurocho edition and it's like the structure of it is very much in tune of what you expect from mainline yakuza there's chapters in the game you know and and uh, and you know as you unlock chapters there'll be a point where like you're kind of there's like this ramp up of like hey here's the introductory thing and then it'll take like maybe four to five chapters in for it for you to fully explore and like it, it lets you go and like hey you can go have fun and before you you know you can choose to like it, like progress to the main story or you can go spend hours and hours into the side activities and sub stories and all that stuff so people who are who've played Yakuza will be very very familiar with like how it's structured and narratively set up. Uh, just to go to, to look more about like the background of it, like you know, yeah, like you relocate to Kyo, and like the the main main like premise of the plot is like due to events that happen in the opening chapter, Yoma is forced to like kind of his like his name his like his undercover name is basically Hajime Saito. And he decides to infiltrate the Shinsengumi, which is a kind of like the elite police squad under the Bakufu, because there's like he's trying to find the identity of a certain masked man, you know, that showed up earlier on. And the only lead that he gets, like the only tip that he gets later earlier on, is that this masked man was part of the Shinsengumi. So he decides, okay, I, I'm going to join them to find out who this person is, because because he can tell after after fighting him once, he can tell the fighting style of this masked man, and he has to know, you know. Like he's trying try to fight, basically trying to fight the other Shinsengumi members to like kind of discern the identity of the masked man. So you know, it's a very, it's a very classic like sort of samurai story uh, in that aspect, and it's a, uh, it's, it's kind of wild. Like you know, like you mentioned earlier, like I played the original version of this game, so I only, you know, it's only released on PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4. But here we are, 
you know, its performance, it supports an uncapped frame rate. It runs very smoothly for the most part, though there is still some stuttering here and there. Thanks Unreal Engine for. And are, the, it, are the side stories like, so when I played the Yakuza series games, most of the side stories are very silly. When you play the Judgment series games, it's maybe a little bit less so, though obviously RGG likes to indulge in that. Is that kind of like the the same thing here where there's, there's a mix? There's, a, there's like about to, like there's, there, there's, some, there's some that are very simple, like say like one sub story is basically you give this kid like random things to like show his friends and like you just kind of give it to him at like certain intervals when you see him again and then just then you have like a bond meter with some of them. Like you've seen this in other ya- older Yakuza games where you have like a bond meter with some NPCs and then like that's how you know you'll, you're done with their sub-story, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then like it can be as simple as that. It can also be as simple as like, hey, this this kid loves vegetables, but his, but his, his parents are like kind of too poor to give him vegetables. He loves vegetables. So you just, every so often you give him vegetables, he's like, he's like, oh, this is my favorite. Then you come back and see him again. It's like, oh, do you have any more vegetables for me? Because he loves got vegetables. To, got to give the little kid his hit. That's right. He really needs to, but you know, some will be more, uh, you know, heavy. Like one sub story, maybe like, hey, you know, my son is basically, um, I forgot the term, the terminology they use, but it's like, it's basically equipped to like a hikikomori in the modern days. Like he's always just locked up in his room. A you know, yeah, sort yeah, of. yeah, exactly. And sort of like, you know, can you talk to him? And then that, that sub story, you know, goes places and you, you, you'll have that balance of that you also have like other more involved side activities like there's another there's a there's a thing called another life in this game where you basically uh eventually get to a point of story where like you're kind of mandated to like get introduced to it at first you'll meet a young girl named haruka and she's uh, because of what her parents have done she has like to pay off some debts but like the the cost is like pretty is a lot so uh, what you decide is like hey let me stay at your villa, uh, like you know, so I can like have like a bit, like somewhere safe to, to stay, and I'll help you pay off your debts. So over, the, like you know, at that another life section of the game, you can manage a farm, you can go uh, deliver orders or have Haruka deliver orders, to, like get a bit of money. It's basically just like, hey, I need like five tofu, and then you just uh, get five tofu and then have her deliver it for money real fast, or you can and you can go uh, make dishes there. And then there's like, you know, this whole like farming game is like kind of like Tetris where like you're opening up like parts of like your farm and then like you're kind of feeding like your crops on this like farm board of like, okay, it's shaped like this. So I have to like kind of fit it in this way. This takes up like a three by three. So I have to like slot it in here and then make space there. It's kind of like almost like RE4 in case management <laughs> in that sense. And then if you get a har- good harvest from it, you need to like set up scarecrows to make sure that like you know like to, to fend off people who will ruin your harvest and all that. It's like it's like it's like you know random stuff to, like kind of like keep you distracted and busy, but it's like it kind of like adds to it in a way. It doesn't it doesn't feel like worthless. It's like it's kind of just a fun little distraction. Well, you know, I was gonna like, ask like usually there's some sort of like the most important side game like from. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rack my brain here, see if I remember all these things. Like in Yakuza Seven, it's the business, and like the one that's with the um, Emmy character. The, uh-huh. In in one of the games, it's the what is it when it's like the construction workers and you gather all their like cards and you have like the isometric mini game. Like oh, I, 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 I forgot what it's called. Off not, not pocket racing, right? Not park, not pocket racing, not pocket racing, not that. I forgot what it's called. And then. 
in Lost Judgment, there's the school stories. Yeah, it's nothing so, like super. It's nothing like super super involved like those. It, it's a in in Ishin, it's more like you can get into that stuff, but it's not like super essential. It's just like it's just fun to do. Like it's not, but it's nothing like as involved as school stories. It's nothing like as involved as like you know business management. Like you 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 like there's not there's not like a really big equivalent to that, but there are like. But that, but there's they're more like fun distraction. This game more more so than like being super involved. Like an- another thing that like you know that you've seen in other like Yakuza games, like the battle arena. There's like a battle arena in this game. But then there's like another thing that's like you don't see in other you don't see much in other Yakuza games is like there's like this um, clan creator. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, there, there's not there's not really a clan creator. Like the like the most involved one is the battle dungeon in this game, um, and that's where you can like delve into like really like, li- like super short linear dungeons that uh you you can get you can go into and you can like get like good like materials for upgrading and crafting equipment out of it because in this game like there are other yakuza games that they have, they have an equipment system but they're not as involved in this game because ryoma you know on top of like just using his fists like m- most of like the his gameplay is going to be around this the sword his sword and gun, and then there's a, and a lot. A lot of the marketing has been around the around the weapon systems. Yeah, so like like that aspect of the game is actually pretty important, like crafting and upgrading equipment because of the way that scale in this game. Like you want to be kind of on top of like, uh, like you know your DPS because like yeah, like stat scaling does ramp up throughout the story. Well, that's actually to interesting that. to hear because like I know that the other Yakuza games have like weapon systems i think i'm thinking like three four maybe five there's that white van they can go and bring materials to upgrade like your your sabers and things but i never really yeah, interacted yeah. with it much it felt really kind of superfluous so is it more like yeah this game like you have like a whole blacksmith and you have like actual weapon trees with rarities in it mm-hmm. and like and then like that the interesting thing is like you can access like any rarity at any time throughout these trees they're not like oh like it's not like linear like you go from common to, and then and then the next one is uncommon and the next one is rare for, for like let's say like swords you can just be like okay i want to access like the rare tree immediately and like for my next upgrade i want it to be a rare sword and then like you know have better stats and like have more slots to fill in enhancements but the but the thing that their main limiting factor is like the the quality of hammer that you use to like craft it depending on what you have on it like that'll actually get you access to higher rarities when you start like when it's time to actually like craft the the equipment it's like okay do you actually have the hammer needed to like get to craft that rarity which is it's it's kind of hard to explain on like vocally but like when you see it in oh okay i understand <laughs> that type of deal but it's pretty versatile and in, in terms of like how you craft stuff it it does look overwhelming at first but then over time you'll, you'll sort of understand it's like okay this is what they what they expect out of me. One thing that I that. thought was interesting, I forget which which website or which which outlet it was, but mm-hmm. there obviously the reviews for this game went up in the last couple of days, including your review up on RPG site. And I, I saw one of the taglines said something like, as you review this samurai RPG, I always kind of thought that like calling Yakuza series an RPG was like one of our broad strokes sort of thing, where it's like, yeah, it's got a lot of the same flavor, but it's more of a brawler action with some like progression. So I don't know. I just saw, I saw that in a headline, and I thought that was just kind of interesting. Where they just like straight up, no fear, said RPG. And I know this might yeah. sound weird coming from me, like RPG site. Like, well, you guys are covering it, aren't you? It's like, yeah, but it was almost kind of like a yeah. Because I, I, mean, like I, I mean, this one is definitely more like like definitely is more heavy on the RPG aspects than most Yakuza games. Like, like unlike the original, this one even displays damage numbers too. Like, you can turn it off if you want. Oh, but you damage floaters. That's that's there the you go. Hallmark that's of an the, RPG. All, 
That's right. So, I mean, you can go down that route. And, but in terms of like what I was talking about earlier, uh, in terms of like just side activities, like I'll get into the battle dungeon in a bit, but there's like also a really neat like side activity in this game where like you can go to like this place that has like 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 scarecrow machinations and like they're, it's just time trial challenges of like, hey, you have like 30 seconds to like get a, like a high score on this to get like a crafting mat out of it. And like your restrictions are, oh, you can only use the brawler style for this. And you have to like, you know, you kind of have to prioritize like higher value scarecrows because some of them might be glowing gold and you want to get to those first before you go do the other one. So there's like that. So there's like the, the time trial challenges are like beyond just being a, like a stat check. It's like it's more like kind of puzzling out. OK, I want to take out these scarecrows first and do this and do that. So it's kind of it kind of tests more of like your your kind of puzzle solving skills in it, which is it's fun distraction. And then the battle dungeon, which is also in the original, but the battle dungeon has a lot of um, interesting quirks to it because it's also on top of being like a, a linear dungeon. It's literally just like, hey, you go room to room. Some have branching paths that may have like levers that to like unlock like the next door to move forward. You know, they're usually like, hey, get, get tra- traverse through this, get to like the boss door, beat up the beat up the boss and his minions. And then you're done. Uh, the in the original, this is where trooper cards existed, and trooper cards are a big, big, big talking point in this remake because they're it used to be only for this battle dungeon, but now it's throughout the whole game that you use them as well. And these trooper cards were essentially like skills that you can use with any battle style. So you can have up to sixteen with you at any given time, and then like each style that you have, you have four styles, and you can equip up to four at once with each style. And they they as uh, your style, and when they're when they're full, you can like use their skills. Some of these skills might like be a big heal or like a regeneration heal, or it could be like a stat buff momentarily. But some get really crazy. Like some will like you have to spit out like kamehamehas, you know, in the middle of battle. It just does a lot of damage to a lot of people in front of you at once. You can kind of steer it, and they'll do a lot of damage to a lot of people, and it's kind of not trivializing the difficulty. But it like because you know it's 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 optional at the end of the day, but um but they're very over the top and give you a very big advantage in battle if you decide to use them and also you sort of get thrown out of like if you wanted a grounded like gameplay like you know obviously this uh, this isn't like really well this is of like judgment like you get like some yeah. magic laser beam things and, yeah like from the DLC stuff. of that yeah yeah so. yeah so it's sort of like that like you know like so some of them like will call like. Is some will call like a bear to like you know thrash on the enemy out of nowhere. Some will like to like force lightning that will like stun them and like still like it'll like go bounce from person to person and stun them. And then like you have a big advantage because they're not only are they stunned but they like fall to the ground. So you have a lot of time to like, kind of uh, fire off attacks. So originally, like you know, battle dungeon was this is the only place where you could you could have used those cards. And the battle dungeon content was uh, sort of balanced around it because of the like. ST- and the end battle dungeon you kind of needed those cards but now you know you can use uh this throughout the main game like in any sort of like story fight once you unlock the the system any sort of like battles that you come across and like it's it's dumb fun like you know you can you can choose not to use it if you want to i want to be very clear if people don't want to use this system even even if you don't want to use it in battle dungeon, you just like unequip them all and don't have to worry about them and just still stick with like you know your standard experience of just like the four battle styles and don't have to like look at like the, the these cards all charged up ready to go in front of you you don't have to use them but as i mentioned in the review that the some story bosses like a good handful of them 
like have this system with them and they only use it at like their final phase where like they only have like maybe like like the last third of their health left i'll get it to like their 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 enrage mode and then but you know some of them will like spew the fireballs spew the kamehamehas spew the force lightning out of them and it's like it's very easy to like dodge or block and it's like it's not really the biggest deal in terms of like avoiding damage but it, it like if you if you're if you're here to like kind of witness the drama because some of these encounters and like the lead up to them is like really really fantastic especially the, the music like the, the the story context surrounding them so you have like some really really great duels and showdowns like in the original it's like okay you, you stuck with that they became became pretty dangerous at their final phase but they was all still very grounded you know attacks from like their unique move sets well in this one they still do have that but occasionally they'll be like aha but they also have a fireball it's like all right i guess and there's no way to turn that off so if you're looking for like a really grounded story hey, i don't know why you're looking at an rgd studios game but this is also <laughs> not that i mean yeah i mean like it's like like i said it's not like the, the biggest deal breaker right like you can you, at the end of the day you'll still get like that that experience but you'll just have to like kind of accept that like they'll do just like dumb over the top shit at times which wasn't in the original like my only qualm with it is like i wish there was a way to toggle that off and that'd be totally fine if you can just toggle that off and just have like a, a really cool duel between two samurai and that's it and not the over top over the top wacky shit if you just like turn that off it, even if it's like if it's just, even if it's just like hey it'll be automatically toggled off if you unequip all your trooper cards as well like if they could do that that'd be cool that'd be awesome that i even specifically tried that i'm like hey I'm going to unequip all my cards and see if the story boss does it. And they still did it. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I just kind of wish there was a way to opt out of that. So you can still kind of get that experience because like, I remember that feeling from the original and how cool it was. So I felt that already. And like, I'm just like, Oh, okay. I, I guess, you know, but that, that, the original experience released the ass cut. There you go. Uh, yeah. That, there's also another thing like that. There's really funny. Cause what a iconic season edition that you've seen. You've probably seen it on social media or the other places over the years where there's like this really goofy fight between the Ryuji Goda character and Kiryu character where they have like, they're both naked and they just have this boss fight in this bathhouse. Like, I don't, I, don't, I forgot like how it was in the, like exactly how it like looked in the original, but in, in this one, I guess people have done like the, the whole side by side comparisons and this one kind of. It puts a little too much steam to like see the 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 ass slap in that. So like you still you still everything around that fight still happens the same. Just this was a little bit more covered up, unfortunately. Which is it's still a really funny funny like fight. It's just you know they kind of covered it up a little uh, much in this game. But I mean you know this game is like it's a massive visual facelift, but it's still the same skeleton underneath it. So people who are like hoping for like, oh, it's a for like a revamped remake on like the whole battle system. No, it's still pretty much the same exact battle system as it was back then. So that's why it feels like kind of old quote, quote unquote old Yakuza for some people. Cause you know, this game came out before Yakuza zero came out in Japan and you know, they didn't do anything to really update the battle system to like be more like, you know, modern games they wanted to preserve that feel which i thought you know it's fine for me but you know but it's you need to i guess you need to be expecting it right because like brian you'll know this but like in yakuza 3 4 and 5 like the battle system kind of feels like shit early on until you get like you really expand that tier you skill tree and other characters skill trees where like they have more options more heat options more mobility options more combo extensions like you just you just feel limited early on until you start block, leveling block, up those block, characters block, block, block. uh-huh uh-huh yeah like uh, this game is very much the same. Where like you'll feel limited with your styles early on until you 
le- level up your your styles. You go to their dojos and like learn new moves from those dojos. And then once you know you start you, you start like filling out those skill trees, you start feeling like, hey, I feel like a fucking badass. But you have to work up to it. So it, it feels antiquated in that aspect too. Unlike for like like in Lost Judgment, you just feel like a fucking awesome god or, or like early on, you know, everything just flows. You everything's super fast paced. Like you're just schmoving in Lost Judgment from the word go. Which this game takes a while to get there, but you do get there. It just takes a while to get there. Well, I kind of had a similar experience when I played all the Yakuza games pretty much in order. Well, I say that, but through I think I played like zero, one, two, then seven, then three, four, five, six. But going, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much once I play Ishin, I'm caught up on all the official Western releases. Uh, so I'm an expert now. I'm second only I, to Josh. But uh, you're, I remember, you're here. You're a god. But uh, the, um, the transition from Yakuza 2, which obviously had, I played the Kiwami version, of course, which is the one on the Dragon Engine. I think it was the first Dragon Engine game. Uh, uh, Yakuza 6. First oh, so, I forgot what came first, 6 or yeah. uh, Kiwami 2. It's, but then going from Kiwami 2 to Yakuza 3 Remastered, which is just an upscale of Yakuza 3, was rough. But I, you know, I acclimated just fine. So yeah. I find in general, I kind of acclimate if you play an older game. You just kind of learn how it works within its own framework at the time it released. and. Not not saying that that excuses it of feeling stiff or yeah. criticizing it, but just kind of understanding, oh, this is the context of when this game released. So, of course, that's how it's going to feel. Yeah. So, and, you know, so that like, you know, some people will take to that better than others, but I think you're, you'll be fine because, you know, you, you're used to that. Well, you know, other people might not. And, that you know, I don't blame them either. I, I get it. So, but this one, it's a... Uh, looks really good on the unreal on unreal engine 4 it's kind of interesting to see them like move away from dragon engine for this game and go to unreal engine 4 but it looks fantastic you know like it's it looks like modern yakuza like not not like not not like newer newer yakuza games but like close enough you know it's, it still looks pretty good um and yeah i mean there's what else more can i say you know like yeah i, I kind of laid it out all in my review and if you if you're if you played a Yakuza game, you know what to expect from this. It's just in a new historical setting. There's a lot of like unique aspects to this game that you don't see in other Yakuza games. You I think a lot of people, I don't know, I don't know if they're gonna be thrown off, but they'll might be surprised like, how much Bakumetsu Bakumetsu uh, Bakumatsu era uh, terminology is used in this game. Like they're very, very casual about like just throwing out those terms. So when they talk about uh, you know the joshi and goshi like different classes talking about the bakufu talking about the shinsengumi talking about uh just like uh, what they refer to as the black ships you know when it, come, when it comes to like for you know the dot of like you know western influence on japan essentially and like the, the historical context of that and the ramifications of what it did to japan as a whole and like out of the samurai essentially on that um and just you know it there's there's an in-game glossary that does a really really good job defining those terms but i there's like i think there's like a layer to this game that i don't know if it'll be lost on a lot of people but this game's story kind of assumes you know the very basics of what the bakumatsu era entails and like it's cultural influence on the history of japan and i think as it doesn't hold your hand on that it's basically it's one of those like implied understandings like you either you either pick up on it or you don't you either know of it beforehand or you don't uh and and that's kind of like where the where, where the the dissonance can come from i guess in the understanding of the of the story because like 
had, had issues with this too, but originally, but you know, it reminded me of this game. But like, I really like the narrative of this game leading up to the end. I think the ending of this game is still a hot mess, but I but I won't get into it obviously on why. I, I want people to see it for themselves. But I think it's a really compelling story on the way there. But it's very it's pretty pretty heavy on like on its like theme the thematic flavor, I guess. Honest, <laughs> honestly, I think a lot of RGG Studios games kind of fumble the ending. More yeah. more more often than not they do. Yeah. Like like I've been thinking like like I'm not gonna spoil this uh, moment of course, yeah. Yeah. but there's a but there's a you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And child, when it, when I mentioned Yakuza Six, and there's like there's this fucking big ass reveal at like the la- last stretch of Yakuza Six, and you're just like, this game is fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I really love the like the emotional ending of Yakuza Six, but the way there is just like, fuck. yeah. And like um, the thing is, is that Yakuza Seven has a really good emotional ending, but even that has a few caveats yeah. that are quite contrived. Yes, and then, four, and then, yeah. then fours is a complete meme at this point. Maybe fives is okay. Five is just a bloated game. In the, I don't know. Three is like the last one I felt like had a really good, like, no footnotes, strong ending. Like most, most Yakuza games, I don't know, we're kind of just talking about the series in general now. Like, and okay. on the, on the most Yakuza games end on like the Millennium Tower and like have to tie in all these story threads. But like Yakuza 3 ends up on top of a hospital. It's, it's like a little bit more muted. And the, the antagonist, I think, is. It's still on a rooftop, yes, but it's on a rooftop Speaking of a hospital. Of, um, yeah. If I'm, if Speaking I'm of right. Yakuza three, if you if you like the antagonist of Yakuza three, you'll see him a lot in this game. Huh, uh, if you really, if you if you if you like his his, his actor and his likeness and his voice and his voice actor, you'll see him a lot of his shit. He's he's pretty involved in this game. I love him. I've always loved Mine on the record. I've always loved Mine, but that's all. Always love Ishin because of that because he's so heavily involved, even more so. You you see more of an Ishin than you do in Yakuza Three. <laughs> That's why I like that. It is awesome. It's also I, I, now that you're reminded me. It's also worth mentioning in this remake of the game, there are new likenesses for like a lot of the characters. Like since this game was originally made before Yakuza Zero, before Yakuza Six, before Yakuza Seven, they kind of like retrofitted some of these like likenesses. Like so, they replaced like a lot of like the side characters and side cast that were mainly a lot of like minor characters that were like in Yakuza 3, 4, and 5. Like some of the like, you know, no one's gonna fucking remember Go from Yakuza 3 at this point. Or well, everyone tries to remember I everyone tries to forget Baba from Yakuza 5 for good reason. But you know, about a lot of those character characters that were originally in this game with their likenesses, they were they were replaced from like the three lieutenants from Yakuza Zero. And uh, Zhao from Yakuza Seven, his likeness is now one of the Shinsengumi captains. Uh, Mabuchi from Yakuza Seven also has uh, his likenesses in the game. I think I think the one that people, the two that people will probably see them recognize the most outside of the three captains from Yakuza Zero is if you remember Jungi Han from Yakuza Six, the white haired dude. Also, mm-hmm. also appears in Yakuza Seven. His likeness mm-hmm. is in the game, <laughs> kind of. Spoilers. I mean. <laughs> he's he's, he's <laughs> in both games. I guess I'll put it yeah, that way. That's all I was gonna say. Is he's both yep. um, and, and also Adachi, like you know the the the, the, the cop uh, party our, member for the seven. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, he, his his likeness is in the game too for a pretty major character. Like and like uh, Yoma's sworn brother, and like his likeness is one of the lieutenants from Yakuza Zero. It is a very is is, is, is Rikia in there at all? Or no, uh, as a card, as a trooper card. Ah. 
Yeah, Ichibot as well as in there as a trooper card. Oh. Uh, what was the the purple haired character from uh, Yakuza Seven? She's there as a trooper card. Uh, Sung Hui, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Korean, uh, the Korean mafia boss. Don't they yeah. have like VTubers too? And there's optional downloadable DLC. I didn't, I didn't have access to this because I was playing it before launch period, so they didn't have. But there's a, there's a, there's an optional free DLC that you do not have to download if you don't want. But there is one that has you know, e celebrities like Kenny Omega, Happy Bit Me, Yanners. I forgot the other two off the top of my head. But you know those those are just like they're adding additional trooper cards. You don't have to you don't have to download if you don't want to use them, or even if you download them, you don't have to use them because I know a lot of people get very very touchy and sensitive about like oh they put e celebs in the game the fucking game's over. It's like I think some of them didn't say say like that. They say it kind of breaks their immersion with the game. Don't, don't believe me. There'll be more than that. That that's gonna, that's what breaks their immersion. Oh, well. <laughs> let, me, let me summon a tiger on the. On the in the middle of town to fucking chew up this guy's head. Oh no, my <laughs> my emergent. I'm really immersed right now. But, but let me use my force lightning. I'm really immersed right now. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's stupid, goofy shit. You know, for some people will like that, and that's totally fine. They they should they'll have the time of their lives. And for people who don't want that, you can turn all that shit off except for when the bosses use them. That's it. That, you know, that like this really shouldn't be a point of contention. And to be honest, because. 95% of that is toggleable. You know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. It's so it's so dumb when people are like, this, this is a deal breaker for me, this optional free DLC. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you go live your best life then. Now I'm imagining like a boss summoning like Hatsune Miku or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's Sega. I mean, yeah, that's what I was about. You can always add DLC if they want to. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's um, yeah, like a Dragon Ishin, it's it's a pretty solid entry in the series. It's cool to finally see this make its way to the West. And they did a really fantastic job with the localization. I think I, I wonder what they're gonna do. Like you know, obviously they're working on the the like a dragon side story with Kiryu, yeah, yeah, Gaiden. And they're working on like a dragon eight. I wonder if they're if they're gonna find the time somewhere down the line to like go back and like localize Kenzon or like maybe give that an Unreal Engine four remake or whatever. Because that's that's even more that's even older than Ishin. That's like 2011, 2012, I wanna say. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I think it's even older. I think 2009, I think. Uh Kenzon. It's an old game. So I don't know what they fu- what the fuck they do for that if they decide to revisit it. Like kind of like Kenzon a, l- a tiny bit better when it comes to story. But it's going to be a hard game to like. I'm really interested to see what they do with that if they decide to revisit Kenzon because it is, it is way too old to like get a modern port. So did they try to rebuild that? Even if you rebuild it in Unreal Engine Four, it's like a lot of the systems are very old. Oh, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, Ishin. Um, if you like Yakuza, you'll like this game. If you're into samurai games, you'll probably like this game. You just have to. Kind of be patient with like get, unlocking your skills or the battle system for it to shine. There's a lot of awesome uh, activities in this game. If you wanna, if you wanna participate in cock racing, you can do that. If you wanna fish, great white sharks, you can do that. If you want to play koi koi, you can do that. We can finally uh, live our summer wars fanfic. <laughs> I'd really happy summer wars. You mentioned it. <laughs> No, I was like, Koi Master Sakura Wars as well. There you go. Or you're ready to go. If you want, there's, all, there's both karaoke and buyo dancing in here. So if you want to buyo dance, 
What about the mahjong? There's mahjong, of course. There's do that. There's a shit load of side activities. There's so many side activities. If you batting, the, 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 there's no batting cage for say in this game, but substitute for this game is you can swing your katana at incoming cannonballs. You can do that. What? You know, just like just like in history, you know, well, well documented in history. My immersion cast time. <laughs> My immersion. <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right. Well, so we're uh, an hour and 40 minutes in, but I don't you know disparage yeah. that we spent so much time on these two games at all because these are the two big headlines of the week. And I'm glad that we were able to have a really fun discussion on both release of Wild Hearts and its promise yet shortcomings. And then also Like a Dragon is Shin, obviously seeing in this game uh, with a new coat of paint officially in English for the first time. And it's a nice different sort of thing for for both Yakuza fans and people who are not as entrenched into the series it gives them something that's not tethered to like the main narrative that they can uh still look into if they're interested in the in the setting or the premise uh there are a couple other reviews up on the site and i'll try to keep these ones a little bit shorter but as we go into the news section uh, one of the reviews that came up is a game that we've talked about previously on the podcast this is the remaster of tales of symphonia the last time we talked about this game on this podcast we were a little bit down on it you know who asked for this etc i don't want to be too sour Scott White was able to look at the remaster for us. He specifically looked at the Switch version of the game. He is a fan of the game as a, ever since it originally released on the GameCube. Long story short, this is the second release this week that did not release in a good state. The Switch version specifically seems like it is marred by AI upscale artifacts, bad battle transitions, strange hiccups in the load times. Unfortunately, dialogue. <laughs> oh, I didn't know about it. But so got wrong with this port. But I have this other question for you guys: If they do a Tales of the Abyss remaster, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna remaster based on the PS2 source code, or are they gonna take what they do from the 3DS? I, I don't know, man. I uh, they can do whatever the fuck they want as long as they tell me it's 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 gonna be better than what they did for Symphonia. You know, surprisingly, (laughs) you know. I know a lot of people praise Abyss, but I did not have a good technical experience playing Abyss on the disc. Literally, the game had very awful load times for me. It would take like, mean, yeah. for like a battle transition. You go outside, go into town. This port, you know, surprisingly, how trash it is, is still better than my experience on the PS2. Unless you well, hack it, of course. I mean, you know, you're comparing modern system to PS2, so inherently... Child, there's a weird fucking swerve hey, for you. If you yeah, let's, let's, let's not talk about it. In two seconds, okay? The GameCube can load these battle transitions. In two Child seconds. just decided we're not talking about Symphonia. We're talking about this now. <laughs> He's like, I'm cutting it off. <laughs> but anyway, so, know, so, so, so go to the about the Bandai Namco. <laughs> the answer you. Yeah, they would probably kick me out for being a lunatic or something. But so Scott actually wrote a preface to this review saying that his review is specifically only talking about the port itself and not his thoughts on the product as a whole, or like as he's basically mentioning that the GameCube version of the game is something that he fell in love with when he was younger. And then this game is just a disappointment that is unfortunate to see it in this state. So we'll leave it at that. Don't, don't want to bag on it too much. It's it's unfortunate, but hopefully it sounds like the other consoles fare a little bit better. Hopefully they can patch up and and sort out so that people can play this game on their Switch and not have a huge list of caveats. But we'll see. So just just another thing that's unfortunate, and hopefully that's something they can sort out. Just a, other- just another another Tales game to to put out before they announce their next Tales mobile game in the West. It will be dead in five months. Say anything? I just said that. <laughs> the other review that went up this week, and this is a game we talked about 
a week ago, two weeks ago on the podcast, back when its demo launched. And that is Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. Of course, this is the big new entry in that series. I think we just passed like the 11th year anniversary of the original Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy on uh, DS. Is it DS or 3DS? It's been 11 years. No, don't say that. Yeah. Really? Do yeah. I have that wrong? Yeah, that I, mean, I don't know. I, I no, I don't know. Like I, I'm believing you. It's like has it, I'm just asking. Is has it really been 11 years? Yes. 2012. 3ds. Fuck. Uh. But anyways, I will give James at least a very quick window here to talk about his review for Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line because it's got a pretty major, I don't know, exclamation mark on it. Uh, just to just to be clear, we gave it a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh. If you are at all a fan of rhythm games and at all a fan of Final Fantasy, this is a no-brainer. It is, yeah, like, I was playing it, I was having a great time, and I and then I sat down and thought, do I have any complaints about this? It doesn't feel like a nitpick, because I could say, oh, I wish there was, like, more of these, like, 14 songs in here, but it's like, the base game already has almost 400 songs in it. And but again, to be clear, like, to be clear, in Series Quest... 14 has like one of the longest series quests. That's like more than most other series when it comes to like track, a sheer amount of tracks that it has as well. So, I mean, I've been playing it too, the final release a lot, and I can't wait to get back to it later. Uh, it's, it's fucking awesome. So I'm, I can't, I can't praise it enough. You know, it's, I've been super addicted to it. And again, I have two comments to make on this. First of all, I do like, that when we talk about reviews, oftentimes, like I did not mention what James's review, at least I don't think we mentioned what James's score for Wild Hearts were or what your score for like a for like a Dragon of Shin was, because at the end of the game, at the end of the day, our discussion on it is our thoughts on it, whether you distill our thoughts or the author's thoughts to a seven or an eight or a six. That's less important than like the actual context of what we feel in our impressions. My second comment is, is that when we give and we do mention that Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line is scored a 10, again, for our site, that is basically a game that we recommend without hesitation. You know, no caveats, recommend at our highest possible level. So that's kind of what we think. Not a, not a perfect game, but a game that we just have no, like, like, like James said, no, no nitpicks, no negatives. Before we go into the news... The only other thing that I'll maybe talk about just for like two or three minutes, just maybe just out of obligation, is that one other thing that released this week was the third wave of DLC for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which was the one that kind of got overshadowed by the the teaser for what the final story DLC is going to be for that game. So I loaded up Xenoblade Chronicles 3 again, knocked off the rust, added a, a new hero named Masha, the gem cutter lapidarist for the game, and adds a bunch of new challenge stuff. This is the kind of like the roguelike mode of the game that's located in the land of challenge. I didn't like it as much as the second DLC. It just felt like it takes a long time to get rolling. The The hero has a, a much less interesting mechanic. Her her mechanic is just crafting another another way to make accessories, which I think Josh said, like, oh, the most exciting part of Xenoblade Chronicles 3, accessories. So basically, if you haven't reloaded Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and you're curious if the new DLC feels all that meaningful. Unfortunately, it, it kind of doesn't. I mean, it's did they fine. did they ever like get around to like not making accessory sorting like an atrocity in that game, or is it like you thought you, you didn't have to wave through like even more accessories now thanks to the new hero? Then like, I think I think it's even I think it's basically worse now. 
because the <laughs> they basically you have a whole new pool where you, it's like you can craft up to a, it's either 300 or 400 accessories from the crafted hero they oh, are wow. you can only equip one per character and if you're like super high tier like you're playing the challenges on the hardest difficulty trying to get s ranks or whatever i'm sure there's a lot of exciting stuff to latch onto here like for instance one thing these accessories can do is they they give you a bonus such as do more damage while the enemy is bleeding while on top of that giving you a straight boost to your crit chance you know they they kind of combine the different boosts that you get from accessories in ways that i don't think were possible before so if you're like if you're min maxing and you're like you've got like your your perfect ideal setup then there might be a lot of opportunity here but if you're not quite in that deep then i don't really think there's a lot here the the story like you can complete the the hero quest and the ascension quest I think you do the hero quest and the ascension quest, and I think it involves like two battles across two quests. There's just not a lot to it. The um, you do learn that Masha is the current house leader. Like the, the city in the game has like the six great houses, and Monica is the house leader of one of them. And you learn that Masha is the house leader of another one. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't remember the name of the house right now, but it's the same house that in the hall of the founders. Mm-hmm. is the house that is the statue that looks a lot like adult Rex. So I, mm. does, does that does that tie in at all? I have no idea. But uh, when, well, do, we, do we need to play these DLCs to understand the final DLC? I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. Because, because one of the house leaders, I forget who, sorry, one of the founders is House Van Dam, which is what Monica is. And I don't know if there's going to be really a lot, any other linkage there other than the name. But I guess we'll see because we don't know the uh, we don't know the extent of the fourth DLC. But uh, the the new character is a healer. I think they're like an offensive healer, which I don't think. And a lot of the archetypes. There's enough heroes in Xenoblade Three that a lot of the archetypes really kind of overlap. I think Teach is kind of probably the most offensive healer in that game. I, that might not be right because I haven't really dove dive too deeply into the the min max of that. But this is another healer that is offensive in nature. So if you're trying to play a little bit more glassy, but still want a healer on your team, uh, kind of what Masha is, the role that she fits. Did you try out that uh, roguelite mode thing that they did? I did a little bit. I did like the, there's, there's like a one that's like 30 stages, one that's 50 stages, and then one that's like 140. And it just keeps tearing <laughs> up in Ontario. So I did the 50 and then I did the 30 and I did the 50 and I'm like, yeah, that's enough. Like I, I got my fill. Not that interesting. I didn't think so, but maybe I'm just not the right target audience. Because the thing is, is that it's it's very classic where you do a stage, then you get like a random roll of passive boosts that you can get, and you spend like a currency. Like, okay, now I now I do more damage when I do smash attacks or or whatever. Or now I do more damage, but at the trade off, elements last longer on me or things like that. And then you can. For the original land of challenge, you get the red Nopon stone that you spend at the, the shop to get new accessories or things like that, new cosmetics. For this one, you get a different color, blue Nopon stone, which you use to get like the, uh, the, the what do they call it? The throwback armor, the, the, the cameo armor from the original two games. The, it's all cosmetics. But then also you can unlock like you, you do the roguelike mode to get the currency to spend at the shop to get drops that then can show up as m- different boosts in the roguelike mode if you really really enjoy it and i'm just kind of like eh. like i i did the 30 and the 50 and at that point i was like i'm good like I, no, my no, when, you, when you start the roguelike mode does it just like reset your level at to work under its restrictions yeah you, 
you pick a character, that character stays at the class that they're currently set at, at a fixed level. For the shortest one, I think they start at level 20 and the middle one 50, the longest one 70, something like that. It is kind of neat, I guess I will say, to try to be more positive. Obviously, the way the base game is configured, you have your six party members and then one hero. You just pick which one everyone you like best. It is kind of neat to have that flipped where you pick your favorite party member or most effective party member, and then you have six heroes. So you get to see, like, I don't know, Monica and Teach in the same fight or or, or whatever, whatever your two heroes are. So it is kind of neat just to see the uh, heroes interacting in the in so the, the wait, so, but, so like. But the actual playable hero is still one of like the main six. You can't control the heroes themselves, but you can have like more than one hero out on the field blah, fighting alongside you. Mm-hmm. In that mode. Yeah, you have you have uh, your main character and then your six heroes. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So so it, it does allow for like multiple heroes to fight alongside, unlike in the base game where mm-hmm. you only have one hero out of. Okay, yep. so it's kind of fun. Okay. But all right, and enough time on that. It's it's fine. It is what it is. I think if you bulked it out and you played all the DLC at once, it might feel a little bit more meaningful. But or if you just haven't played the game yet and you play it, and I think the, this hero is introduced in like chapter five, and at that point, it probably just feels like any other hero because it's not any longer than any other any other hero base quest or ascension quest. There's the final DLC till like the next one for Xenoblade Three is going to be the big story one, right? Yep. All righty. Which according to the eShop is just this year at some point. Should be hopefully soon. All right, we'll go into the news section here, and this is pretty light. That's okay. But I guess there's a lot of headlines here, but most of these are just dates, which just makes sense because we're starting to fill in what are we looking forward to in late March and April and May and beyond. One quote major headline that we have here is that Riot, obviously of League of Legends publisher and developer, they've been dealing with the uh, Riot Forge initiative for the past few years now, where they're branching out their IP into different genres. A couple years ago, their first RPG that they released was Ruined King, a League of Legends story. There was also like a puzzler and doing a fighting game spinoff as well. They announced basically a new slate of games underneath this Riot Forge label. They announced a 2D action platformer, Convergence, a League of Legends story, an adventure game, Song of Nunu, a League of Legends story, and then also an action RPG called The Mage Seeker, a League of Legends story. This is being developed by Digital Sun, who is the team behind Moonlighter, which was kind of like a, an indie take on a Zelda-like RPG. I believe Adam's played Moonlighter. Right? Has anyone here played Moonlighter? No, not yet. All right, so unfortunately, I don't have the League of Legends. Like, I mean, I know like the major characters, like the ones that are... Um, you played that... Uh- Airship Syndicate one. Yeah, I, I played Ruined King, so like all the ones like Rom and Alawi. Like, like I like I know some of the characters just from exposure to that, but I haven't ever played at League. So for, when I look at the uh, the uh, the Mage Seeker, I don't know like what I should be recognizing. Like, aha! Like I don't have the nostalgia. I don't have that link here. And as far as I can tell in this news post, Adam. This this these three games, the three games that I just rattled out, were kind of all announced at the same time. Yeah, actually, there was like a singular trailer that's not very long. It's like ninety seconds, if that. It's just kind of a, more of a collage. Like we are like doing these three games with like really quick clips of each of them. So honestly, it was kind of hard for me to get a, a feel for any of them. Like the Mage Seeker, we get like that key art, and we get some like very quick off scene pixel art gameplay. And that's about that's like it. So there's and, really not a lot to go on. And I, not not all of these games are, I think, brand new. I'm pretty sure I've seen Song of Nunu 
announced yeah. before. So maybe the announcement here is just that it's slated for this year. And then I don't have the league background to get a lot out of this, but here is the short little couple sentences about specifically the Mage Seeker, which is the RPG one. This is set in Demacia, a mighty kingdom in the world of Runeterra that is, seeks to curtail what it deems as forbidden magic. You play as Silas, an escaped mage whose quest for vengeance will shatter their deceptive peace. So I assume Silas is either a popular or unpopular character in the league roster. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Silas is who this game is based around. You know us of uh, league experts. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> but hey, maybe if I just play more of these Riot Forge games, I played Rick there you go. maybe I'll just play this one and eventually uh, I, will, yeah, I will know. I'll watch Arcane while you're at it, and then you'll be a league expert without having played the game itself. You know what? Well, it might not be the best. I mean, that might be a viable route. Mm-hmm. For, for for me, I think like, I don't know, Arcane, and then I guess I'll try out the fighting game. I don't know if I, I don't know, really, I don't know. I guess I, I guess the only thing I'm interested in is like, I want to see how that fighting game ships up whenever it releases one day. So Adam, when you like, I look at this news post, like, did you have to clip this, this art out of this little trailer that has like these tiny snippets? No, or were you able? They, they sent over like the assets. So oftentimes these press re- these PR will send over just like a zip file of assets to use. But I'm like, oh, maybe I'll have some screenshots here to like see what this game looks like. And literally the only asset was this key art. So we have a so we have a so we have a key art of Silas, I presume. And then like in the trailer through like these tiny little shards of glass, how they stylized it. You see like it looks like maybe like Hyperlight Drifter sort of. But it's very quick and it's gone in a flash. So I guess it's slated for this year for spring. We got a little bit of footage here. We got the key art. That's all we kind of got on it so far. And then we talked about this back when it was announced in January. The upcoming Fuga Melodies of Steel 2, which is slated for May. We got basically a big info dump for this game about all the, I presume, new characters and cast members. So you have a list of all the... uh, key arts here and all their oh, names and actually almost all the characters are returning, returning. characters but but there's, they weren't the main one cast no well, they were they, the main they cast just, mostly so oh, what, I gather, what i gather is um they when they announced the release date like two weeks ago or whenever it was they kind of just did like here's the introduction to half the cast and then just now they released like here's the introduction to the other half the cast but almost all of these characters our characters in the original game like they're not oh, new. Okay. there is one new character her name is vanilla like you know she's the she's the new hat you know the new character in the group and then there's also one that's just like who is this mysterious person but i gather from like the press release that they released that one of the premise of this game is that half the cast becomes stuck in the tyrannus and half of them are not so there's some sort of like party split that's going on here between the cast now, I don't know exactly how it works yet. The game's not out, but it seems like maybe that's why they kind of reveal them in this way. But yeah, that's all. Most of the characters are characters that if you played the original, you know them. Mm-hmm. Then there's a little section here at the end about how in the world they talk about having developed airship technology. I don't know if you think that's just like set dressing or if you think that might come into play in the gameplay at all. Well, the, uh, the original game was all like tanks and stuff, and now there's airships. It's set like in World War II-ish, you know, vibes. They did mention that the airships will like affect the uh, battle path that you play on in the game somehow. Where, like you can like take an airship to like skip along the battle path or something. This probably doesn't make any sense if you haven't played the game, but 
probably makes sense if you have. Now, how does it exi- how does it affect that battle path? I don't really know yet, but it's it's so there's supposed to be there's a mechanical element to it also. And then we got a few other gameplay trailers here. A couple of these, I think all of these we've actually talked about at least briefly on previous episodes of the podcast. First one is less of a trailer and more just a, an alpha footage dump. This is for one of 505's upcoming games for this year, Miasma Chronicles. This is one that, James, you got to play in person at late last year, I believe, at some point. Uh, yeah, at the uh, 505 uh, game summer thing. Or not summer, like fall, whatever. I played a demo of it and I thought it was pretty neat. I'm excited to see what the full game is, actually. Is, is this a 17-minute like gameplay video like uh, identical to the demo that you played? I have actually not watched it because okay. uh, since ever since I played the uh, early build, I was like, "Yeah, this is neat. I'll just wait until it comes out." Okay, it's like, yeah. it looks very XCOM-ish. Like, yeah, it's like XCOM with a little bit less start-stop, but it has like the kill cams are very, very similar and things like that. It even so, has, yeah. like, it has like, like like the icon like when you're going to cover. It's like this half cover. This is full cover. So, Wasteland Three did the exact same thing, and Wasteland Three was good. Okay. But it was, but it was admittedly just like the XCOM oh. battle system, right? But hey, you know, it's a don't don't have to reinvent the wheel for everything. Like, hey, we're going to have a different setting, but we like this system, and we're going to do our own take on it. But yeah, we have uh, all that footage. Yeah, we we have all that footage up on the site. Oh, speaking of XCOM, like, so yeah, more on that later. So here's a here's another trailer for an upcoming game coming out this month that I believe Adam is a little bit interested in, and that is Redemption Reapers. Actually, that's coming out in like six days. February, <laughs> a couple days before uh, Octopath and everything else. Uh, so Redemption Reapers, this is a tactical RPG with some of the uh, talent behind previous Fire Emblem, such as director Masayuki Horokawa, and then, of course, the, the team that previously released Ender Lilies. This trailer, I don't think they've gone this route before, but when I watch this new final trailer for Redemption Reapers, the vibe that I'm getting at is that they're really trying to go for that near automata or automata vibe in terms of just not what the game is, but just the way the trailer's presented. It has a vocal theme that's kind of sounds similar-ish to Weight of the World over like a lot of bleak looking environments and like really serious dialogue. So that when I watch this trailer, that's the vibe that I was getting. So I'm gonna be no. honest, when I watched this trailer, I kind of cringed and closed it. <laughs> I was like, I was like embarrassed or watching it. So I had saying exactly what you said when you first watched that trailer on a staff chat the other day, Adam. So this developer is not like a big AAA developer. Their previous game was all you know 2D art. But this game, they have like 3D, you know, models and such. And that means they were trying their hand at like, you know, choreographed cutscenes. And some of that does not look very good, especially in the facial animations. It looks really rough. And I'm just kind of like, man, I really wish they just stuck with 2D portraits like a like an old Fire Emblem game or something. You know, I mean, it is mm. a Fire Emblem pedigree game. So like, I understand they're not going to have a massive budget on it. And these things are superficial, perhaps. But it's just kind of like. I kind of wish they just stuck to artwork and dialogue rather than kind of having these sort of cheapy looking choreographed scenes. Now, I don't know how many of those are going to be, but they're in the trailer. So this is this is the turn of the century. Search all over again. When like you know, when more and more games became 3D, it's like oh, in dawn of the of the 2D era, it's all over. Can't have pixels anymore. Could have polygons. No more artwork. Are you still excited for the game? It's not like it's not like there's no like HD pixel art games coming out soon. No, no. Uh, 
I'm still excited for it. I'll still play it. I just like, yeah, I'll, I'll see how it balances in the game itself. I just think, you know, I kind of just wish they stuck with what they had done in the past. But, uh, what audio options are available for this game? I didn't actually like check, like, what, like, is it like dual audio or is it multiple? I know it's, uh, several. Let me pull it up here. Oh, actually, no. Wait, 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 wait. Uh-huh. Just full audio English, Japanese, and then it's got the, the FIGS for text okay. and plus Chinese. Uh, will be available uh, with English and Japanese voiceovers and text in Japanese, English, French, German, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, Russian, and Chinese and Korean. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking text languages. Okay. At least got your translations covered. Well, hopefully they're all well and good and not one of those machine translated out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it always feels like when there's, like, you know, a ton of language options. I mean, I, I would never know, right? Like, uh, like uh, I, I would, I'd have to, have to leave it up to like the the players there to like. The, the, I forget what that. game it was, but uh, oh, what game was it? I think this, I think this has happened in a few games. Oh, it was Grandia. People might know if you remember this. So when they re- when they re released Grandia, one of the selling points was we now have this game in more languages, and one of those languages was like a German, and like there's an option that can. Maybe it wasn't Grandia, but there was a thing that could happen in battle where you can miss your attack, and it literally just says miss. But in German, it said Fraulein. <laughs> I remember that. Like, yeah. like, like, like a title like miss, of a lady. Like young lady. But yeah. it's like, miss Fraulein. That is so funny. <laughs> Oof. I mean, you know, like, if, if you... I could, never, I could never discern, like, if you were to show me, like, machine-translated French or German, like, I believe you, I guess. I would not know. I mean, no excuses and like on being able to like read those languages so i just have to like leave it up to players but like yeah yeah sure and then the last gameplay trailer we got is for the upcoming for the king 2 which is slated to release this year this is kind of like a high fantasy roguelike rpg that the original i believe was three player for the king 2 is now four player i, I had a few friends play games i'm not very familiar with but it seems like the original game had like quite a following primarily due to its multiplayer where you can kind of just join up with friends and do this sort of like roguelike tactical game together and yeah like i this, i didn't know there was a sequel josh posted about it last year but it, this game is like one i never really heard of but it has a following i remember so my interaction with for the king one is i hope i get the details right i believe it was one of egs's first free downloads so a bunch of friends from my my actually my guild wars 2 raid group downloaded the game and it's the idea for for the king is that it's like a drop in drop out like it's, a, it's like an instant D session where you just like each pick a class you start at the start you go you like you tear up real quickly it's kind of bite-sized D session with like roguelike elements so you're not playing the same story over and over it changes up a bit so i think that was kind of the selling point is that you're, you're playing a D session ish game without all the setup and hassle and baggage of actually playing a tabletop RPG. Yeah, I'm just looking at the trailer that they uploaded like one day ago and it already has 84,000 views. That's pretty good. Yeah. And it's not like on a big channel. It's just on the Curve Games channel, mm-hmm. uh, which has 13,000 subscribers. So yeah, it's like there's a pretty, there's a following here that I was not aware of. Yep. So we've got the new uh, gameplay trailer called the Resistance trailer up on the site and it is slated to release this year in 2023. At some point, we don't have any details other than that. Uh, now we're going to kind of go into things that are releasing over the next couple of weeks and months, though this first one does have kind of a little bit of news attached to it. 
This is for Marvel's Midnight Suns, which came out last year in December. We've talked a little bit about some of the previous DLC that has been releasing for this game. I believe one of the more recent ones was Deadpool being added. Uh, we got some detail for the second major DLC pack titled Redemption. This is the one that adds Venom. It is coming to Marvel Midnight Suns on February 23rd, so next week. Uh, it's also got a, a new trailer up on the site, including some of the other story content that's being added to the game. Uh, so, of course, kind of leads us to the more general news that's a little bit attached to this. Marvel's Midnight Suns is, of course, being developed by Firaxis, the studio behind XCOM. And also in the last week, we learned that one of the main designers behind Midnight Suns, Jake Solomon, is leaving Firaxis Games. Yeah, along with uh, Steve Martin, who was the studio, uh, Firaxis Game studio head for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So... Very, two very major departures from Firaxis games uh, off of the just not following like the new like the news not not sure after like just a few days ago on the financials call for the with K they basically said yeah Marvel Night Suns fell below expectations so right now they have a free week weekend going on for the game on discount alongside you know the news of the Venom DLC it um honestly it stings man I Jake Solomon is a uh, fucking fantastic game designer you know headed the the revival of xcom and uh, xcom 2 and the war of the chosen dlc whether it was his own decision or is because like you know the fallout of midnight suns falling below sales expectations like who knows the real story like you know I'm, i can't speak for jake of course but it's he's gonna be missed he's i mean he was there for 23 years which is a long time yeah, at that at that yeah. point it's like you can understand just wanting to try something different or have change your yeah. environment up a bit he made he made amazing games, you know, and I stand by that. Midnight Suns is a pretty awesome game. I really enjoyed that game. Oh, it's it's cool. I mean, you know, more people are trying it out now and saying, "Hey, this is actually a pretty good game." You know, I have some friends trying it on the free weekends. Yeah, this is, this is having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's apparently just, during. I've seen some people with the take. Uh, this is sort of I don't know, taking a pot shot maybe. So I apologize, but like hmm. some people have, I know who have started playing Midnight Suns. They were like, man, I thought Forspoken's dialogue was cringy, but what is this? And apparently it gets better, but I guess the early... Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they're a bit cringy. I mean, I mean, like, uh, to me, I always uh, just interpret it as like, hey, this is like kind of... It reminds me of, com- it reminds me of comics in general, not just Marvel. Well, just even, like, even... Comics are corny and cheesy in dialogue. You know, I always interpret it as that, and they were more... Their interpretation of the characters in that game are more of their comic counterparts. So for me, like, I just never... I guess the the way like my expectations were, I was like, oh, like you know, I, like I used to read comics, so I kind of know, like you know, they're kind of corny at times. So. Even for spoken as a tangent, I think does it has a very bad initial taste. It's, it's it gets better as it goes on too. And I'm saying yeah. that as someone who was still kind of really tepid on the game, it's just that the most cringiest dialogue is up in the first like hour. So, but yeah, and I think yeah. even during one of their earnings calls. Obviously, Take Two is the the big publisher behind that, and they said, you know, Midnight Sun. They were, you know, they're they're saying and trying to, you know, chant that it was a critical success, and they're very proud of that. But unfortunately, it just hasn't sold as well as they would have liked. And they talked about the uh, potentially the release window having something to do with it, uh, but they're hoping that they can, you know, support the game and you know, hope that word of mouth will will kind of carry it forward. But you know, we we don't know to how much that the the lack of commercial success for Midnight Suns may or may not have. It must be, it must really fucking hurt because think about it like this: that game released early December. We're in mid February now. It's already on a free weekend on it and on this. Yeah. So it must not <laughs> like I think the actions speak for themselves. Of like, it, it probably felt well. 
way below expectations. This is the case we're at, you know, and this is kind of the fallout of it right now. Um, well, you know, what are you, you going to do? It's a tough market these days, especially for that kind of game, you know. It's like, it's already hard to, like, kind of market that game in general because so many people already have expectations of what they want out of, like, a Marvel superhero game. So for a lot of people, they even noted this in my review, it's like, for a lot of people, when they see the card system and they see cards, they're like, fucking nope, I'm out. Fuck cards, mm. you know? They see turn-based, nope, I'm out. Fuck turn-based, you know? <laughs> I was thinking about the exact same thing. And plus, the IP is really expensive to have, so I can't imagine yeah. trying to make that money back. Yeah, I mean, it's just like one of those things, like, the unfortunate reality of, like, making games that will sell these days is, like, yeah, you're, you need to fit under a certain set of, like, expectations of like genre and gameplay of like if you really want to want to sit it's kind of like that weird divide like you want something to sell versus something you want to make something unique something interesting you know for lack of a better word right now it'll and be it, like uh what was it i'll put it in movie terms it'll be like the new blade runner sequel it'll be like everyone talking about how critical successful the original was and how amazing a movie is but it made like it didn't get its money back in the box office, despite all like the critical pra- like praise it has. So it's like the same same thing happening right here. You know, it's just not. It just doesn't have like this mass appeal. You know, at least that's how I see it. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I definitely do not see Midnight Suns' gameplay as mass appeal when I think about that game. You know, I think it's definitely a game that was like designed for like for my taste. But I understand my tastes are definitely not mass appeal. Like you do, you would never come to me and be like, hey, go. Think of, of things to like things to sell. Like all my ideas would be like would they would sell like shit. Cause I'd be like, I think this would be really interesting, but I don't think like it would actually be marketable to people. You know? <laughs> I would never say, hey, my ideas are like something that will like be a critical success. I'd be like, if you want your game to fail but be interesting, come to me, I guess. <laughs> we'll go into the other releases that are coming up uh, next couple months. Uh, so here's one that I always feel like I know absolutely nothing when I bring it up. But Genshin Impact is having another major patch on March 1st for version 3.5. And then there's a bunch of things here that I don't know what they are. It's adding Diha, Mika, and the Windbloom Festival. Oh, help me parse this. <laughs> okay, so Dea is this mercenary that kind of helps you along the way. While technically you're helping the person that she's guarding, and she just hires this bodyguard. And she's actually a really popular character. But there is a lot of outrage behind this character because Deha? like yeah, because a lot of the beta leaks found out that her damage is fucking trash, everything. It's like it has to like you know get like six dupes in order to get her to be useful. Get your drama is always so wild to me, man. Yeah, it's like she's absolutely dog shit of like a playable character from all the drama leaks and stuff. But and now it's like, oh, the reason why she's dog shit is because she's not limited. It's like reason justified or something like that. And now everyone's in the in the whole outreach stand. But, but once again, these are data mines that are not reflective of the final game, right? Or or have data mines been consistent with like how they've written the no, 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 no. Now people are are thinking it's like, well, it's like that explains why she's trashed then, because with all these leaks and now she's not limited, then you know, I guess these numbers line up, right? That's that's their mindset right now. But, but I mean, like, but like traditionally, like you know, characters of the past have also leaked, like before they were. Released. Yes, yes, like, yes, and it's completely wrong. You know, okay, like, it's been completely wrong. Okay, like remember that one character where they harassed the voice actor because they thought the character was trash, like Kokomi, for example. Uh, you, was, you would remember, and I don't. Okay, I, I, okay, okay. Kokomi is this 
this war strategist that was super kind of popular because her character design was kind of like she looked she kind of like resembles like a mermaid right and you know early data leaks was like she cannot crit it's like she must be fucking useless then so people start harassing the voice actress for voicing this character and Mio. so how dare you make this very bad character and turns out she's actually one of the most broken character in the game that they had to nerf her nice she had this jellyfish that spawns and the damage is scaled based on your HP. And so you can bring her out with 60,000 HP and that jellyfish will kill anything in sight. So they had to nerf how that jellyfish's damage scaling worked. So oh, it's like, yeah, I think just don't jump into the gun with these beta leaks. You can never trust it. I mean, they said Ganyu was trash based on beta leaks. It turns out she was like the most broken character for like two years straight. So. You know, can't can't rely on those numbers. But right. beyond characters, so uh, what else are you expecting out of this? This patch doesn't add anything, really. Oh, to okay. be honest. It's right. a bunch of mini games, more trading cards, and you know, and they really. I also don't think they even works out too well because see, like leak gameplay footage of her, she cannot combo too well. She uses ultimate skill because she switched from her. Sword didn't didn't you just say not to trust the leaks? I know, but. <laughs> Just in just in general, like just from like these are like numbers wise. Just how her attack works is that when she uses her ultimate skills, she switches to punching, and when she punches something, she knocks the target way too far that you cannot combo them again. So that's also a reason why people are saying that it's very hard to combo her. So I, I think this one might be justified for once. I don't know. Well, I, I guess All we're right. going back and see uh, is Deha trash or, or, or God tier? Uh, the ongoing, never, the never ending saga of Genshin drama. There, there's a lot of drama too. Uh, there is also like the, uh, was it the voice actor for uh, Tignari? Uh, I, I actually heard about this. This is, yeah. yeah he's scary. been using his e celebrity status to, uh, for sexual <laughs> misconduct. So he's been, he's been canceled. He's completely gone. So I mean, he, like for good reason, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this is a win for the Kenshin community, actually. Yeah, so they're, they're basically like replacing that voice actor and gonna replace his line, even his old lines, with like yeah, they're they're name. gonna slowly voice his re- voice his lines, so we don't know when they're gonna come in, but they're gonna slowly replace them. So yeah, that's don't, don't fucking just be normal, be fucking normal, don't be yeah. fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what, what 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 else to tell people. <laughs> like, just be normal. <laughs> I don't know. Is this something to really flex on? It's like, hey guys, I flexed. I did this guide. Guys, am I a celebrity? No. God. Hmm. All you right. Okay, I'll tell you. My favorite mm-hmm. story is that going. Somebody gave me this message from 4chan saying Solus is dead. That's why there's no updates on these guides. I can't believe who, who writes these stories about me saying that I'm dead. Oh, <laughs> people are saying you're dead because you're not updating guides. Yeah, someone said oh, like, like I got killed God. from the Chinese flu. Holy I shit! I mean, God, who makes up this shit? Oh my God, people are. Hey, you 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 can use this to your advantage. You can lie low, and, and then reemerge when they least expect it. That's my e celebrity stats, guys. You fake your own death, child. That's crazy. Well, let's uh, let's keep going into the last couple of release dates here. So here's a game that we haven't heard of in a while. It was originally a Kickstarter game back in 2019. I think we got a trailer back in 2021. Uh, this is a game called Bleak Faith Forsaken. So Adam, you have read news post here that it's releasing in less than a month. It's releasing on March 10th. And I don't know what this game is. So I, don't I read know, that like, Bleak Faith Forsaken at first because my brain's broken now. 
I'm pretty I, sure I've said Forsaken. And then like, oh, this looks like another indie Souls. Like, that's about that's about what I took away from it. There you uh, go. I'm I'm looking at the trailer and I'm like, yep, it checks <laughs> out. Yeah, 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 it's like, yep, yes, it does. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this, sh- like, at the end of this trailer, it says like Mortal Shell. Like, oh no, I've been bamboozled. I don't know. It's no. got it. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Lords of the Damned. Was it the fucking co- Lords, no, of the Lords of the Fallen? I was thinking of another game. Shit. All right. So, Bleak Faith Forsaken was originally a Kickstarter campaign in mid 2019. Backers raised thirty thousand for the project. Quite a modest number there. Uh, got some screenshots. Very, very typical Bloodborne diet. RC Cola Bloodborne is kind of what I see here. Hey, the the title does start with a B. In and out. Hey, I know there's been some games that are that are in this space, like Thymesia, which I don't think we ever covered, but like people end up like being very honest about whether they think these games are cash grabs or actually something meaningful. So it'd be kind of interesting. This is the sort of game it's only releasing on PC for now. Just kind of seeing like, you know, if Steam comments and Steam forums are one thing, they're honest. So if yeah. this game if if this game is anything that's uh, worth looking at, I think we'll know pretty quickly uh, based on the Steam reception. We're counting on you, Steam reviewers. <laughs> You are, you, are, you are a mess to navigate sometimes, but when they like something, you kind of know like they've got high standards. So and when you know something's broken, then you look at the Wild Hearts page and then you're like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this game busted. <laughs> Diablo 4 is having an open beta in late March. It is set for March 24th to March 26th. I guess there's also an early access for the beta. I don't know the details of what? that, but... <laughs> okay. Early access to the open beta. <laughs> okay, I'll just read the headline. Diablo 4 open beta available from March 17th to March 19th for pre-orders, March 24th to 26th for everyone. So there you go. There's a detail I was missing. So I guess if you have pre pre-ordered Diablo 4, you get early access to the open beta. I'm gonna be an idiot here. Okay, so there's stuff I call early alpha access, early beta access. Is there something called gamma access? I'm sure no. if you wanted there to be one, you could. I mean, yeah, if, if you really go, go make a video game and go do that. <laughs> like open gamma access. People usually just use alpha and beta for games. And please don't ever go beyond that. Because oh. if you start doing that, then I'm done. <laughs> well, the open, the, open, the open beta, it seems like it's pretty cut and dry. It gives you access to the prologue and act one of the game. And obviously, if you play Diablo games, you know, they're typically four or five acts, each in a different region. So kind of if you played one before, this will kind of... Sh- be something that you've been expecting. I don't know how much I'm interested in Diablo 4. Diablo 4 has had like several developer like studio changes throughout its development. And like I don't even remember who the uh who the creative director is anymore. It was like Luis Garaga or something, but now it's someone else. March is just uh, a crowded time period. I feel I feel like it's one of those games, just like Wild Hearts. Like if I there are enough interested People that I know that want to play it together, I'll be like, sure. But if not, then, you know, I can also move on to other things. I'm a man of the people. We're having an action RPG. Stray Blade is launching on April 20th for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. I believe this was another game that uh, James had a chance to play early. Yeah, this was the game that James played, and he was not very fond of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so what trailers. I mean, 10 seconds guys it's coming out at 420 awesome yeah. oh that is not enough time to fix the issues i had with that game and i before before chow mentioned it i didn't realize i saw so adam of course when he writes most of the news posts and of course james and others as well when they help out on news we, we uh, whenever these announcements are accompanied by a trailer we uh, 
uh, link that into the, the news post you know, as you do. And I didn't realize that the straight blade one is a 10 second trailer. It's just <laughs> a, cu- a couple, a couple That's sword awesome. swings. And then the key art with April 20th, 2023. Feels like the type of trailer that is supposed to be an ad. Like you pop that in front of something else. Yeah. No, this is the actual trailer. You know what? I think, I think it's ready to go based on what James has told us. And that 10 second trailer, I think it's ready to go. 420. And self-described as a Metroidvania with intense souls-like combat. So that's all the buzzwords. There you go. We're assigning the review to James. Please know. Yeah, I'm gonna play something. <laughs> hey, what 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 else is coming I, I out in even, April? I don't even I don't even want to be mean. I just I also don't want to say anything mean. <laughs> I'm gonna try to bid my forspoken pers- review to to Brian again while we're at it. <laughs> Alex um, one, like asked me if I wanted to do the first spoken review, and I said, "I'm white. I don't want to." <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I get it. I get it, though. That's so. That's what a fantastic response, actually. <laughs> and what do I do then? Shit, Brian, what? you're white. I, you wanted the interview. I <laughs> might. I'm, maybe I can just slap out a force. I feel like obligation. I mean, if you, like, oh, if you. If you really don't want to do the review, Josh, I can write it. I'll get around to it one day. I'm giving you the pass. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, as a Filipino person, I am obviously qualified to give you the pass to go be more spoken as a white person. Uh, one last uh, release. I'm going to move on. One last release okay. window that we've got is that another Souls-like lies of mm-hmm. p this is the one mm-hmm. that is the super duper grim dark retelling of the story of pinocchio is going to be releasing in august 2023 and then we also got a uh, uh, a new trailer from ign fan fest showing about two minutes of story and gameplay is actually a new trailer or is this like the recut trailer adam i think this one is new oh okay it doesn't right. show a lot still it's like shows like a boss monster it shows some corpses it shows you know. Bloodborne. Got it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. sure. Why not? Yeah, they gave like a release window of August and whatever the fuck. It's always fucking weird when like uh, they release this month. It's like you have a day. It's like no, this month. Yeah, like, this is like a pet peeve of mine for maybe selfish reasons or just shallow reasons. But I, I kind of wish that publishers wouldn't do like release window announcements. Just like just wait until you have a date and just say the date. Don't because when like I, it's coming in August, because that means you're just going to have to announce a date later anyway. And then we'll have to write another news post. So there'll be, yeah. there'll be another episode of this podcast in like April or something where we say Liza P is August 12th or whatever. Assuming, we'll they, just even, that's assuming they even make August because sometimes these release window ones are like, well, actually, it's going to release in September. Yeah. What was the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Recent game has done that where they gave us a release window a month and then they, they and then the release date was like another month. And it's like, OK, well, that's fantastic, actually. Fuck. Love news cycle. <laughs> so someone put in a headline. In the uh, in my great. podcast doc, all right. No, I need to set the table here. So I'm looking through my podcast doc, going through all the headlines. And then there's one that's completely formatted wrong. I have a new headline, and it's nine years of shadows launches on March 27th. And so it's, like in, it's like in bold. It's <laughs> like it's like the, the size is like four times bigger than the rest. 
This is so a Metroid it's, type game, right? Metroid yeah, it's the Metroid type. Yeah, it's, it's like weird. breaking news. Yeah, it is breaking news. I think this is the most exciting announcement that I see right now. Uh, it looks like uh, was it like a Metroidvania with like Saint Seiya armors? You know, just like just the way it looks. This looks total badass. It's an RPG, child. It's a Metroidvania. It has to be RPG. Well, it depends oh, on how much mania it. there is. <laughs> yeah, is it more? Is it more Metroid or more Vania? <laughs> it does look cool, though. I'll give you that. I'm skimming through it right now. It does look. Nine okay. Years of Shadows. There's an official trailer from IGN FanFest with a March 27th release date. Uh, go check it out. Breaking news, according to Chow. It does look good, though. Yeah. You, you did miss the most important story, though. Right? Yeah, right. well, I'm saving this one as the stinger. Like, that's, I don't know, it feels, feels like an well, I, I, I mean, I have a surprise one after it. Okay, all right, so the yeah. non-surprise one, well, this was this was not a surprise by any stretch of the world, word, unfortunately. I feel like we just announced this game coming into existence, and that is Echoes of Mana. And the announcement here is that Echoes of Mana will end service on May 15th. So how long, how long did that last? Yeah. It's like May, a year. I mean, you know, it, came, it came out last April 27th last year, so it got to its first year anniversary bear. Uh, yeah. it's, did it, though? Because they've announced this closing, so does that count? I guess. Yeah, technically on paper, yes, but I know what you get. I know what you mean. I get it. I kind of um, had a feeling it was going to turn out this way when uh, Rant, like, I got a press thing for Mancing Saga Universe. I got one for that uh, Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale that also shut down. Didn't get one for Echoes of Mana, so I kind of was like, hmm. Yeah, like, we literally, I literally got a press release. I think this was shortly after the shutdown announcement. We don't we don't cover all the little updates of Square Enix mobile games, honestly, just because there's so many. But like, got this release that talks about War of the Visions, Octopath Traveler, Brave Exvius, Dragon Quest Tank, Romancing Saga, Dissidia, Final Fantasy Opera Omnia, but Echoes of Mana, nowhere to be found. It's okay, I could have told you this was going to happen sometime this year. I, I, I'm pretty sure I did already at the beginning well, of this year. Where it was like, I, I, played the, I, I played this game for like, I don't know, a month and a half, and I was like, it's Game's kind of garbo. <laughs> oh no, I felt like your standard generic, you know, mobile game. Oh well, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's not going to cut it for an IP like Mana, right? Like you need that to be something really something compelling for fans for them to stay. Yeah. If, you're, if you're being standard and you're an IP like Mana, you're not going to. Yeah, it's not. Because no one's going to. Yeah, and the rates are also kind of trash. It's not. It's not even just rates, right? It's just like general gameplay and like retention rate and like like it's just is this a game that Mana fans will want? And it's like, no, not really. So it's sure, like, okay. I mean, that's not, it's not even just like, hey, it's your problems stem from like just more than just like, oh, it had low gotcha rates. It's like, honestly, probably the, like, there's lots cares? more problems than that. Yeah. But I'm just saying from the get go, there was the bad rates, how many dupes you need, lots of gameplay problems. The gameplay loop was boring. Well, the, the only thing it provided that's worthwhile, like, most of their gotcha games is like, they, character designs that came out of it of like you know modest characters like in different outfits and like there's like those the memorial cards in the game that had cool artwork and I, i'm pretty sure that you know it'll be released in an art book one day maybe um and yeah. then you'll be, and then there, there's 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 your lasting legacy of this game. it's like hey there's cool artwork in this game. all right yeah um, well at least i mean well at least there's one good thing about it like all the character art like that you get are drawn by the official artists i guess yeah so. You know, they're, 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 yeah, you, you, you have modern uh, artwork of like Mana series that haven't really had other release for like 10 billion years. Rise of Mana, 
what uh, what other what ones? What other manas are there? I'll give a random name. It'll be a mana game. Dawn of Mana. Dawn of Mana. There we go. Real mana. Um, I mean, this is not new news, right? I mean, it's like over the past few weeks, there's been uh, thousands of shutdowns left and right from like a shitload of service games and a shitload of mobile games. But hey, speaking like I saw this as like a Facebook ad or it was either a Facebook ad or an ad on our site. But the developers behind Final Fantasy 15 and New Empire just now released a global version of its like sequel, Final Fantasy 15 War for Eos. Yes. <laughs> so like, I guess it's literally just like it's been out, I guess, in like Indonesia, Philippines for like a year. But now it's uh-huh. got a global launch. Yeah, so, I, knew, I knew this existed, but I forgot about it. Well, it's time to who's in. So I guess literally released uh, February 16th, or I think February 16th. Hard to find a date on this Google Play page. Your, your empire awaits, my lord. Yeah, so uh, I don't think we're planning to cover this, but it's out now. If you if you really like the new empire, now it's Look, if you really think in more of like Luminous Engine like leaded products after Forspoken, why why you consider FF14 more of Eos? Let's see. What's, my, my, what's my, surprise my, news? My surprise one was, hey, they're they're actually adding RPGs, the PlayStation One lineup for PlayStation Plus Premium this month. Ooh, so, uh-huh. uh, you have Harvest Moon Back to Nature. Okay. You have Wild Arms Two, okay. and you have The Legend of Dragoon. Okay. The, those three. The, they're, I mean, the legend, the legend of Dragoon has been like in remake rumors for forever. It feels like, yeah. So. Is Legend of Dragoon good or not? I haven't played it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all right. The reason why I ask is I feel like it's. I know that you can probably say this for a lot of things, but it feels like to some people it's like the best thing ever made, and to some people it's dog shit. I, I remember back then there was a kid that lived towards me, and and he is obsessed with Legend of Dragoon, and he would tell me that... It's How like, do you remember this? Okay! He, he was like, I think I get an argument, it's like, hey, you know, I, I've ever played Final Fantasy X, and he's like, no, Final Fantasy X is trash. Like, this is better. <laughs> yeah, I like this kid. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember Legend of Dragoon. I remember it being very whatever, I rented it, I was like, oh, this dark dude looks cool, but I'm like, eh. Okay, I guess. Well, I, I don't have any strong feelings for Legendary Goon, to be honest, but it's been a very long time since I touched it. It had it. very bad voice acting because, you know, the English voice acting was very mm-hmm. <laughs> bad. And there's like all these like combos. You had to like hit them like perfectly to, to do like stronger links. I, uh, so that's kind of like different with the game. And remember, all these three RPGs, they're enhancement, up rendering, rewind, quick save, and custom video filter. Too bad there's no dual audio. I could get Gilgamesh as Dart. Oh, did, did he did he do that? Did he, was he Dart's voice actor? Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I remember that for that PlayStation All Stars Smash game, like Dart was like a canceled DLC character. I think. Wow, I don't think he's popular enough. I think everyone's forgotten this franchise <laughs> by now. Can you imagine they put Dart and I say, ah, remember the PlayStation icon Dart? It's like, <laughs> ah, man, <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, one thing the game does have it has a very good soundtrack. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, any feelings on Wild Arms 2 here? There there were Wild Arms before Wild Arms 3. Wild Arms 2, I love the Power Ranger transformation. When you become, okay. when you become the Night Blazer, that is mm-hmm. the best Oh, yeah, game. yeah. That shit's this, sick. This is one of my against-the-grain opinions I have gathered mm-hmm. over the years. I do not like Wild Arms 2. Okay. It's too easy. 
the localization mm. sucks. Like just the translation. And you're and you're pretty uh, pretty lenient on localizations most of the time. Localization made no sense. Me and my brother played it as kids, and we're like, "What the hell is going on in this story? What the hell is happening?" <laughs> no. Specifically, like I know it's hard to like pinpoint a specific thing that like this is why it is bad, but there's this like there's like this theming or this phrase in Wild Arms Two called the pillar. And the way they refer to the pillar, the pillar, the pillar is very awkward. Like the way that it's just like written around as part of the story. And it gets kind of confusing. Like, what are they actually talking about? Like the pillar, like it's obviously supposed to be like thematic or almost like a metaphor, but it's still very weird. My actual, uh, this is almost a elf contradictory, I will admit. But one of my uh, favorite parts of Wild Arms 2 actually is Liz and Ard. Do you know, do you remember Liz and Ard? This is the mage girl, right? No, oh, Liz and Ard are the lizards. Oh, Heck, no. Liz and Ard. Oh, uh, one of them doesn't talk. The other one does, and he talks in totally broken English. And I actually kind of find it amusing. Well, it's not like broken English. I, remember, I don't remember that. I only remember like like two things. I remember there's a character named the War Criminal Brad, <laughs> which had this kind of like the story where he got framed and became like this war criminals for some reason. I do sort of remember the war criminal, or the criminal, I don't remember. It. I remember his name was Brad. I don't remember and, the name. And then the main character had a, was it, his name was Ashley, if I remember. And then, was it, there's a, there's a secret character where, I think it was a canon, I think it was. I think you see her in the intro, she's like, you know, kind of like being a Vincent knockoff, hiding in midair with her fancy cape, or something like that. It's been a long time. You, you know what? You know what? For the like, I, I was like, I was thinking, I was like, what? What am I? What game am I thinking of? Like, is I, I'm like mixing it up with another game. Like, I think I'm, I'm mixing it up with Jade Cocoon for some reason in my head, because <laughs> I think I played them like around, uh, like not too far off from each other when I was younger. I remember that game for one thing. I remember it was like a Game Pro magazine or something. It's like you gotta stop playing Pokemon and play this instead. <laughs> yeah, like, like, Pokemon. You're right. Some shit like that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, there you go. I'm just if you have PlayStation Plus Premium, you could play Wild Arms Two and The Legend of Dragoon, I guess. And uh, while we were talking about Wild Arms, here's I was one looking. Of, here's at... one of Liz's quotes. Okay. I, I guess Liz. I don't know what the original Japanese intent is supposed to be, but he's supposed to like think himself as philosophical, even though he's a lizard. The way he comes across in English, anyways. Here's one of his quotes. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Gentlemen don't like violence, but love the violence of words. Prepare for word torture. I am full of dangerous phrases that should be censored. Nice. <laughs> Actually true. I agree, Liz. So weird. <laughs> uh, don't forget, they introduced the worst thing ever in Wild Arms 2, the search system. I hate. I absolutely despise the search system. You should get rid of it in any game. But they put it back in every single one. Are they? Do they have a search system for that spiritual successor that they're making? I feel like they, they I think they might be, I think they might have the search system. They have the search system in Wild Arms 3, 4, 5. It's like, no. they have that shit, man. That, uh, everyone's favorite Wild Arms feature. So while we were talking about Wild Arms, I went to the project page for Armed Fantasia, which is obviously like the, the, arm, the Wild Arms spiritual successor. And it's, it's a lot of nitty gritty. There's like, they have an update every month talking about like some concept art, some models that they show in the background. I don't know, but it's, it is just kind of neat just to go there and see like, oh, I can look at the November 2022 update and they've got uh, some concept art for some environmental assets. And then if I look at the January update, they've got some like a like an unfinished model of an of an enemy creature. So it's, it's OK, they're they're just turning along. They're just uh, working. Through That's actually too. pretty cool that they're pretty 
active about like the development update on this. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. Are, are, you, are they doing the same thing for the other dual project thing? Uh, what was that one called? What was the uh, Shadow Hearts spiritual successor called? It had a, it had a less, it's like a oh, less catchy yeah. name. Yeah, I always type Shadow Shadow Hearts Penny Blood. Penny Blood that's Penny Blood. it. Let me see how they're doing. Updates. This is I'm looking at that. Oh yeah, that. yeah. They've also they've also got a uh, monthly updates. It looks like uh, it looks like the uh, from from an initial look, it looks like the Arm Fantasia one is. I guess they're both .co.jp, so they're both Japanese facing websites. But obviously, you can get the gist with the um, with the machine translation. But yeah, they, they, they both have update pages that seem to be still frequently updated, or at least once a month. So good to know oh, that those cool. are still underway. Yeah, there's some of them that you know still take a while to know their full release, but you know they're they're moving along. I'm okay with waiting. I want them to release a really good game for both. And with that out of the way, that covers us for this podcast. So very, very heavy on impressions, a little bit later on news, but still a few uh, interesting news things to talk about. Obviously, I believe the next, the huge thing of next week will be, of course, Octopath Traveler 2. And then, of course, all the other games as we turn through the uh, release deluge of February. So Octopath Traveler 2, and then I'm not sure what'll be the the second topic next week. It reminds me, I should see if we can, um, we have Colin, it'll be writing the uh, review for us on the site. I'll see if i can get him on the podcast but i don't think this recording time usually works for him but we'll see and i know that we have other people here planning to look at the game as well so we'll get uh we'll get live impressions either way but look forward to that we obviously have the reviews up on the site for wild hearts like a dragon is shin tales of symphonia remastered and theater rhythm final bar line if you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast and you enjoy listening to us please leave us a, a like or a comment whether you're listening to us on spotify Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can join our Discord by going to discord.gg slash RPG site or by hitting the link at the top of our homepage at rpgsite.net. And you can also follow RPG site on all these social media channels. Just search for RPG site in Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram, and you should be able to find us. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Tetracast. So thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and take care. And we'll talk to you next time. Later, everyone.